It's time for Twit This Week in Tech. It's going to be a good panel. Brianna Wu is here from Rebellion Pack. Carl Bode, longtime tech reporter from Tech Dirt, Motherboard, even the founder of DSL Reports. This is going to be great. He's never been on before, so give him a nice welcome. And all the way from CNET, senior editor Lisa Edichico. Lots to talk about. Of course, Apple's big event coming up Tuesday. Apple's victory in the Apple versus Epic trial. Is it a victory? Epic doesn't think so. We'll also uh, talk about Proton Mail and why they think they've solved the problem. It all has to do with your advisory board. It's all coming up next on Twit. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Twit. This Week in Tech. Episode 840. Recorded Sunday, September 12th. 2021 princess peach three frame vine jump this week in tech is brought to you by zip recruiter businesses reopening means millions of jobs will need to be filled so where do those businesses turn to fill these roles fast zip recruiter zip recruiters technology finds qualified candidates for your job and invites them to apply right now you can try zip recruiter free at ZipRecruiter.com slash twit and by AT&T. If there are friends and family members you haven't talked to in a while, don't worry. It's never too late to reconnect. To help, AT&T is offering deals on the latest smartphones. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T is giving new and existing customers their best deal on every smartphone, even the latest ones. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Visit att.com for details. And by IT Pro TV. If you're interested in a career in IT, you need to learn the fundamentals and make sure your certs are up to date. IT Pro TV is the best place to learn IT from Microsoft, AWS, Linux, and more. Visit itpro.tv slash twit for an additional 30% off all consumer subscriptions for the lifetime of your active subscription when you use the code twit30 at checkout. And by Casper. When it comes to a better night's sleep, Casper's new cooling collection has you covered. Focus on tomorrow. Let Casper handle the rest. Explore Casper products, sheets, mattresses, pillows, and more at casper.com slash twit1. And use the code twit1 for $100 off select mattresses. It's time for Twit This Week in Tech, the show where we cover the week's tech news with wonderful people. I love the best thing about Twit is it's different It's different every week because we have a different panel every week. But we always, there's people we just love to bring back again and again. Brianna Wu is one of those. Director of Rebellion Pack, former candidate for Congress in Massachusetts. Game developer uh, and Porsche restorer. Pin, <laughs> pinball game wizard. I can go on and on. Hi, Brianna. So good to see you. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you. I wish people could see the computer that you're on. It's one of those builds with lots of LEDs and a clear case. It's embarrassing. It is so embarrassing. <laughs> it's like a teenager came and created my computer. I I literally got, like, Razer has a thing. It will let you add a, uh, additional addressable RGB strips to it. Oh, and Lord. I'm just like, more, more, more. No, I must have more. two boxes until it's just, like, makes the whole office glow at night. That's how tacky I am. No, so. you're not. In fact, <laughs> the Laporte household has a few of those. 
Okay. The other day I was driving up and I thought, what is that glow coming from my office? Then I realized <laughs> that for some reason the Alienware had gone into some sort of weird cycle mode. And it looked like a, a hot tub from the 70s. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> it was going. And then Michael's got a, a Republic of Gaming desktop that also has extensive LED coverage. It's crazy. I, it, it, it is. It is. Uh, you know, I keep telling Frank I need an adult to come decorate my house at some point. No, it looks like you don't Comic-Con want Comic-Con exploded. No, you don't want beige. I, I, I need something. I don't know. Welcoming back uh, from CNET. We haven't seen her in a while. I don't know why. It's my fault. I'm sorry, Lisa Edichico. It's good to see you. It's great to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we won't we won't keep it so long uh, in the future. Uh, <laughs> what are you covering these days at CNET? Do you have a beat or is it everything? Uh, yeah, I do have a beat. So I'm covering mobile devices, but I'll probably be, you know, contributing to a little bit of everything as I normally do. Well, we might, um, but yeah, mobile devices is my beat for now. We might have a little to talk about this week on mobile. Just a little mobile, bit. <laughs> on the mobile device front. Yeah. It's great to have you. Are you in San Francisco? No, I'm in New York, actually. New York. Yeah. All right. We got two East Coasters, and then we're going to go to the Pacific Northwest to welcome, for the first time on this show, I'm thrilled to have him, Carl Bodie, who is kind Hello. of a legend. We, your name comes up all the time. We're always quoting your articles in Tech Dirt and Vice and other places, and it's nice to see you, Carl. I really appreciate you having me here. I've been a yeah. fan of yours since the uh, screensavers days. So yeah, it's great many years ago, I used to be on yeah. TV. Yeah. I used to do uh, Manhattan IT law firm work, and I used to. Uh, oh, that's cool. The oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we should probably mention this is a for people who are in Manhattan. This is a very powerful all over the country, really very powerful weekend. And uh, did you go to any of the memorials, uh, Lisa, uh, at, at the nine eleven memorial or anything like that? Not this weekend, no. I, I've been to it in the past, but oh, I, I didn't go this weekend. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard. You, you know, uh, I was born in New York City, so I, I don't know why, but I feel like that's home in many ways, even though I didn't live there very long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I we I was flew back on October 20, 2001, to do a TV show back there. Again, nobody would go, so they were, I, they were, I was the only guy that they could get for life with Regis and Kelly. They said, "Can will you fly? I said, sure. But I <laughs> wanted to go out there because I wanted to visit Ground Zero and see, and this, I'll never forget, you know, the fire department in there and all of the uh, flyers on the fences, and it just it was really dramatic. And since uh, my wife and I have gone back uh, to visit the memorial, which is beautiful, and then uh, when the museum opened, which is right next to the memorial uh, at Ground Zero, we went. And I, I, I'm sobbing. It was so moving, uh, that that museum. If you're in New York City, you gotta, it's kind of you have to go to Ground Zero and visit it uh, because it's a beautiful memorial. And then the museum really, really brings it home. So. Yeah, so being able to see the frames of the old buildings underneath there is really... Exactly. That, that alone is pretty amazing. Yeah, the basement's I was there. there. I was there that day, and I, I remembered it all very well. Oh, you, you were know, still working mark. there. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I moved out of New York City about six months after that, oh. and I remember Ooh. watching marching across the Queensboro Bridge with millions of just dumbfounded people, and the cell phone networks weren't working, so you didn't know if your friends were alive, and you're staring down at Southern Manhattan watching the giant plume raise and. You know, Terrifying. It's, it's, yeah, I get a little frustrated with the, the never forget rhetoric because it's just not. Don't worry. Forget. Yeah, don't you worry. Know, you know. <laughs> Those of us yeah. who live through it will not. Yeah, uh, exactly. We'll talk with Jeff on Wednesday. Jeff Jarvis, who was on the PATH train coming in from New Jersey uh, when it hit. 
and so that yeah. that station. I was right on the there. I was on the seven train. I was on the seven train, yeah. and I saw the first plume of smoke go up. Oh. And then when you climb up out of the subway into Manhattan, there was just this electric energy in the air. The terror of it was. Really he else. still thinks he has health problems because he breathed. It was covered with dust and breathed. Yeah, in all I mean, there was there was there was nowhere in the city you could go where you didn't smell the burning plastic for just weeks. And, you know, even out in Queens in Astoria, where I was, you could smell it for a very long time. The thing that most mm. moved me at that museum was the fire truck. Uh, that for some reason that always really gets me. Of course, the people who died in the in- incident, but there's the first responders who, while everybody's running away. Are running towards and there's a fire truck in the museum that's basically melted you know it's just the, the remnants because it was sitting right there and i just i that's when i lose it every time it's just very yeah. plus plus they're playing the old voicemails you know when you go into that yes. museum i think if i remember oh right, you're right voice yeah, the, ra- the radio hard. calls the voicemails that makes it brings it right back very yeah. present yeah yeah anyway um i you know don't worry no one's no one's forgetting it was a very <laughs> powerful uh time to and be honest it's it's kind of traumatizing just sitting here talking yeah sorry <laughs> no 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 yeah. i'm just saying it's i'm right there with you carl there's no way you could forget it uh i would yeah. i had just moved to uh dc as a very young woman to start a career in politics and uh you know the pentagon got hit that day so it was absolutely crazy yeah here's the um this is the basement of the uh of the museum so they're they're actually you know these this is the structure of the building and uh, there's there's the plinth just wow if i don't get- know if you guys have ever been to the the museum in, in washington dc I, I don't know if it's still around but they also have a 9-11 exhibit that was really really moving and and very frankly difficult to get through uh where they show mm-hmm. what media coverage was like on the day and just the videos of you know reporters barely being able to hold it together on air and everything was just so powerful and uh re- like i said really hard to get through i think i think they closed the museum didn't i they? think they did close it yeah so sad i know i loved it i spent like hours in there i would have um, it's a great museum yeah. but yeah it closed unfortunately i, I think they lost a lot of money or, or something. Uh, you know, the the one tech story that's tied to this is a lot of the sites that were created at the time were done in Flash and can and can no longer be run. So there there's a huge swath of content that's gone because it was in Flash, Adobe Flash. I hope somebody's doing their best to preserve it, maybe the Internet Archives. On Tech TV, I uh, remember going in and, of course, we were doing... We suspended our shows. The screensavers uh, took a couple of weeks off. And I remember vividly the night we came back and we had lit candles. But I also remember vividly the day of. And I'm I'm anchoring with Erica uh, William, Erica Williams, right? What's her? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, she was, of course, a New Yorker. And she was such a pro. Um, but she would burst into tears every commercial break. She was like, I have to take a, I have to leave. I have to take a moment. Um, because, uh, it it was very, very visceral. Erica Mm -hmm. Hill. I'm sorry, Erica. I should remember your name. I apologize. And she's still on CNN, I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now we've, we've mentioned it. We can move on. You know, I wasn't going to, uh, but I, it's kind of hard not to. And since we have people from New York on the show, I thought I should probably bring it up the big story of the week 
is Apple versus Epic. And I'm really, I've been kind of very interested in getting to this show and finding out what you all think of this. Because Apple basically said we lost. I mean, we won. Epic said we lost. But I think it's more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fascinating. So, and by the way, Epic has now appealed. So that's kind of goes along with uh, we lost. Where they lost was Apple, uh, the judge uh, was unwilling to call Apple a monopoly. Judge Yvonne Gonzalez Rogers ruled Friday Epic should pay damages to Apple for violating rules. But was un and was and was unwilling to call Apple a monopoly. Uh, both companies will bear the ca- the costs of their own cases. But uh, I don't think it's exactly a loss because the judge also said to Apple, "You need to make some changes in your app store." And uh, maybe maybe it's fair to say this is the least Apple could have expected or this has been what's coming all along. Uh, but it could have cost Apple billions of dollars. The judge says you uh, have to let iOS apps use, quote, buttons, external links or other calls to action that direct customers to purchasing methods other than Apple's payment system. And it strikes me that Apple may have won this battle, but they've lost the war. Mm-hmm. You agree? Brianna? I, I don't know if I would go as far as say lost the war. I think uh, big tech lost overall here. So I think if you are, um, you know, you're skeptical about the amount of, uh, of power, unchecked power, large uh, technology companies have, you kind of won with this. Um, you know, I, I thought it was very interesting that the judge noted that uh, you know being very very successful does not make you a monopoly, which the Apple Store certainly is. But I think uh, the part of it I'm most worried about is it seems like this is opening up apps to all kinds of payment systems. I mean, if I want to put out a, a video game that has in-app purchases with a Dogecoin, can I do that now? Because from my reading of this, I think I could. Um, I, I really kind of worry about the the scams that could come out with payment systems now. Apple also wasn't sure what it means. They said it's too early to determine how or when or exactly the changes will be implemented. They have three months. They said we want to have conversations with the judge to find out what she's what she means. But mm-hmm. it's not even clear that it says allow third party payment systems. But mm-hmm. you just you know on the the the, the least. Uh, aggressive interpretation would be, say, in the Kindle app, which you've been prohibited from linking to Amazon's website to buy a book. They could now link to Amazon's website to buy a book that would bypass Apple's 30%. Apple has prohibited that in the past. Lisa, you cover mobile. Yes. Um, Apple said this is a victory. The uh, the court has affirmed what we've known all along. The App Store is not in violation of antitrust law, and success is not illegal. It's a resounding victory, is it? I you know I don't think it's that simple. I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I think the outcome definitely could have been a lot worse for Apple. I think if they were ordered to maybe you know change the the fee that they charge and lower it, like maybe that would have been a worse outcome. But I, I do think you know we are going to see some ramifications from this because don't forget, you know, Apple makes a lot of money from the App Store. I think. Um, I might have to check this, but I think it's their second largest business after the iPhone. So, um, you know, it's a big deal. And, you know, 
I don't know exactly how much money makes from the apps Apple makes from the App Store. They don't break out that specific information, but I can probably only assume it's a lot because it's a lot billions. of other we know yeah, it's that, billions. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's that and you know iCloud subscriptions. I, I would imagine, um, especially considering a lot of their other services are still new. So you know, I, I, this is a big deal for them. Um, but I, I'm also curious about. You know, you mentioned we don't know how Apple is going to implement this yet. And I think that's a big deal because if it's something that's kind of cumbersome for developers to put into their apps or if there are specific rules about where the the call to action can be placed or, or how big it is, you know, consumers might not use it anyway. And then, you know, they're still using in-app purchasing because, you know, a lot of this depends on how the consumer decides to, to purchase something through the app. Right. So uh, I think there's a lot of questions that are still up in the air about this for sure carl did, did apple breathe a sigh of relief i guess they did <laughs> yeah, i think worse. like you you guys yeah i think like you guys said it's kind of a mixed bag you know they could have had it much worse the court basically said that you know they could be a monopoly you know but that epic really didn't prove that in the case so the door is open here and you still have all these other lawsuits against like uh, Google, for example, and some of the, I don't know if you saw the unredacted uh, epic complaint against Google, but that includes some very interesting, more, more pointed. Sorry, sorry about that. That's okay. Um, uh, the unredacted Google complaint contains some information showing how they were actually uh, paying wireless carriers and sorry, and game developers. Yeah, they were paying wireless carriers something like um, 25% of the commission, you know, mm-hmm. and that was right around 2010 when Google was starting to kind of drift away from its, um, you know, original founding vision like it used to support net neutrality. And around 2010, you saw them kind of shift away from that. And the uh, unredacted complaint uh, epic file showed that Google is basically throwing money in their direction, you know, billions of dollars to not try. So I think as you see more of these cases coming out and more of the antitrust inquiries with uh, Linicon at the F- FTC. It's going to get complicated. The, uh, the, the Google, for instance, at one point thought about buying Epic. <laughs> they were so worried. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. They uh, they they paid top game developers, including Activision Blizzard, not to leave the Google platform. Yeah, uh, and they were paying phone phone makers not to uh, include competing app stores on the phone. Yeah, you know. But but that's the interesting point in this is that. Unlike the iPhone, there is a setting on Android devices that say use third-party app stores. So you don't have to use Google. Right. Uh, and and, and I, I think Google probably doesn't worry about it so much because people just do what's easy. And I'm sure that's why Apple's not too worried about this. In fact, it makes you wonder why Apple fought so hard. Uh, because people are just going to use Apple Pay. Uh, it's just easier. Yeah, it works I, well. I, I mean, the system is already... No, go ahead. Sorry. Finish you know, it works. Yeah. The, the system works well, and it's already set up to give them a bunch of advantages. So I yeah. think, yeah, I think a lot of people are going to still continue to use them, and I don't know. Plus, we're entering this phase now where they're going to debate about the definition of a button for six months, and then we have to see if <laughs> people actually enforce anything. You know, if the you know, so it's they've got a lot of uh, runway here to tinker with. Them. Analysts don't know, and they won't say how much this could cost billions. Uh, but but how much you know how much is how much is billions according to Sensor uh, Tower. Uh, Apple, uh, from from games alone, from and mostly from in-app purchases, made three point eight billion dollars in twenty twenty. But it, but Rihanna, you don't think you think that that's at risk or not? Uh, 
I, I think a really good question to ask yourself with almost anything in technology is, hey, how would 4chan use this? So I would really <laughs> encourage you to ask You know yourselves. that from bitter experience that you should ask right, that question. <laughs> right. So, so we're all assuming here rational actors, like we're thinking about our use case, right? Like, of course, I get the modal dialogue that comes up when I do my, uh, uh, when I get an iPhone, I put in my credit card, Apple Pay is easy. That's what I go to. How would someone really deranged operate to exploit this rule? <laughs> and I would, I would encourage you guys to take a closer look at children's games on iOS because I know it all started with that $99 Smurf Berry thing. Yeah, yeah. It did not stop there. Yeah. So, someone's when, calling me now on Skype. When, oh my when, gosh. When you say deranged, you don't mean Tim Sweeney. You mean other, other more, even more deranged people than the head of Epic. Uh, yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting. If you go, let's say you're in the Kindle app or the Netflix app and, uh, and you say, I want to subscribe. I imagine what you'll see now is pay with Apple Pay, pay on the Netflix site, maybe equal sized buttons. It depends how Apple, what Apple allows them. But I think this is the spirit of the ruling. If it's 30% less or maybe even only 15% less to pay on the Netflix website, maybe people will do that. But I think it's just so easy to go, you pay with Apple, does the face recognition, it's done. That the I'm sure Apple's assuming the vast majority of people, this yeah, won't be a I change. Think- I think that's right. And, and, and Epic called it a loss, but it's not. When you consider this is probably the biggest change to be implemented in the Apple store in, I don't know, its history, perhaps. I think that's something. You know, it's not yeah. exactly like that's nothing. Well, and it may be worse coming. I mean, South Korea is making Apple put other app stores on the phone in South Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the same thing may happen in other countries. It's, uh, you know, it's on the it's on the table in many countries. So Apple, and then you layer on you layer on these other antitrust inquiries, and I think there's you know you're, there's a real sea change happening here. I don't know if it'll you know result in anything, but it's 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 moving that direction. Well, that's yeah, ter- and I think that's oh sorry, Go ahead, Leo. Lisa, I was just going to say, Carl, I think that's what makes this so interesting too, is because this is really one of the first times that we are seeing you know, the type of action that that would be taken, you know, in an antitrust case like this. Like you were saying, you know, there's a lot of concerns right now and a lot of different, um, you know, lawsuits and cases that are being and issues that are being raised. And I feel like this is kind of like our first peek into like what, you know, how um, the country is like thinking about, you know, the, the modern, um, you know, antitrust situation in, yeah. in big tech today. And I think that's really interesting. I mean, we, you know, you consider that first decade from 2000 to 2010, it was all about innovation and how miraculous and amazing all the technologies were. And then like right around the 2010 point, people started to think a little more deeply about some of this stuff. Like, how do I moderate content at scale? How, you know, what does the gatekeeper power on the phone device actually mean? You know, people started to actually notice. And I think we've finally just in the last maybe year or two started to see some actual uh, action, you know, in terms of even the GOP and both parties being interested in kind of rating in some some big tech stuff. But remember, uh, I think you've covered this, how much money big tech telecoms pay Congress to keep them in check. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that's suspicious the, about anything significant yeah. happening in, from Congress. Yeah. I mean, and that's the problem with antitrust reform is it's so broad and it impacts so many companies that you get just this massive coalition of companies across industries all funneling all their money towards one thing, which is right. not... Any expansion of existing antitrust law. And it's hard to beat that if you're, you know, the opponents in that case are going to be consumer groups and 
activists and academics and you know they're they're outgunned they're outfunded and so it's going to be hard you know i think there is a sea change here but but it whether it actually ends in any meaningful antitrust reform is it's really it seems more likely to happen in the eu than it does in the u.s i don't know brianna you looked into this when you were running for congress i mean Mm -hmm. uh as long as congressional campaigns are funded heavily funded by the companies they're trying to regulate i wonder how much regulation can be done I unfortunately have to agree or just how curious they are about these issues. It uh, it seems to be very, very low. I would encourage you to go to Open Secrets and look at how much, uh, say, AT&T donates uh, to people on the Science, Space and Technology uh, Committee in Congress. It is a ridiculously low amount for the uh, for the legislation they get passed. So don't, so. don't confuse all the sound and fury, which politicians mm-hmm. do for the base you know, oh, we're not going to let them, se- you know, censor our, our politicians <laughs> yeah. with actual action. hundred percent. Yeah. Although I have to say both Texas and Florida have passed bills that prevent social media companies from blocking politicians because of what they say. <laughs> I, I don't know how constitutional those would be. The Florida bill, uh, I think a judge already uh, issued an injunction, a temporary restraining order on. And the Texas bill just got passed. So we'll see what happens there. Leo, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but sometimes politicians do things for show because they got an election coming up. Uh-huh. I'm sorry to tell Oh, you no. I'm disillusioned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could you say that? You know, America is a country that we like monopolies. You look at the airline yeah. industry, you look at the banking yep. industry, you look at insurance and telecom. And the last like two years has been heavily focused on big tech. But I mean, it's everywhere when you look at it, when yeah. you really step back. Yeah. And as Apple said, the judge affirmed success is not illegal. <laughs> and by the way, nobody's asserting that the, 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 the any of these companies are somehow flawed. Well, mostly nobody's asserting somehow these companies are flawed by being successful. They're flawed by being monopolistic, by using their success in the marketplace to dominate other companies and to put them out of business and to prevent yeah. other companies from you know coming in and, and taking business away from them. Well, that consumer welfare standard that all the antitrust focus is always focused on is basically saying if the prices are low and consumers are happy, then there's no real problem here. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of a, a overarching logic that's gone yeah. through antitrust reform. But like, you know, Linicon at the FTC was, was came to fame by just saying, you know, there's more going on here than yeah. just whether consumers are happy. Are you impacting other businesses? Right. Or are you creating mm-hmm. gatekeeper gardens? And so in the, in the long run, consumers won't be happy if there's only one place you can buy something online, only one p- place you can buy a smartphone. That's, that is not, in the long run, going to make consumers happy or keep prices low. They're only yeah, low until there's no competition. Yeah, and specifically with this, you know, App Store debate that we've been seeing play out recently in in the Epic trial, you know, I'm really curious to see if some developers do lower the prices of their apps or their subscriptions if they don't have to go through Apple. Because remember, I think Spotify was the one that kind of, you know, stepped out and said this maybe last year in 2019, I forget, um, you know, the CEO said hey, you know, we have to inflate our prices because, you know, we have to pay this, you know, 30% concession to Apple and then we don't have a choice. And, you know, Apple does not have to do that with Apple Music. So it's you know, a different situation. So now I'm curious to see if there really is an impact on prices the way, you know, we've kind of been led to believe. Oh, now 100%. the cynic in me is going to say, no, of course, you know better than that. <laughs> Pass those savings on Passing to us. savings on to the consumer. Yeah. Pass that right. saving on to our CEO. He needs more compensation. <laughs> 
If I could just say, I feel like we're we're focusing on Apple here, and Apple is obviously the most the more interesting of the two companies. But I think looking at Epic, there, I think this has gone really underexamined. I mean, Epic in some ways took a really big risk. You know, did some very expensive litigation uh, in an effort. I'm I'm so torn here though, because Unreal Engine is amazing. It's what I built my career on, but you know, Epic had this really big scandal just a few weeks ago. Leo, I don't know if you heard about this, but the uh, there's a really big uh, indie game called Among Us, uh, and basically you have a bunch of players. You're trying to figure out who the imposter is, and the imposter is going around secretly murdering people, trying to evade game caught as long as possible. It's AOC's favorite game, I know. It's a great game. (laughs) It's wonderful. So Epic took Fortnite and copied literally every single bit of this indie game that broke out. They called it Imposter. You know, they used the same lexicon. And you obviously can't patent gameplay, nor would we want that. But this was a a very big ripoff when they could have just partnered with this studio. So as much as, like, through this, I'm like, I want to give Epic kudos for picking a really big legal fight with, you know, a giant when... You know, there really wasn't that much win in it for them. On the other hand, I'm like, it's kind of undercuts their credibility when they've gone through with Fortnite and have stolen the game design, basically, of PUBG and Among Us and others to basically get a, a piece of the pie. So it, it really undermines their credibility as standing up for the little guy. I think a lot of us have said uh, on various shows, that it's a good lawsuit, but it's a terrible company to be <laughs> making in the lawsuit. That it's great to call Apple the carpet, but maybe Epic isn't the champion that you really want. By the way, Call of Duty also has a, a double agent mode that is a copy of Among Us. But that doesn't mm-hmm. that happen all the time if a game is successful? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. I mean, you, I could give you a hundred examples. I mean, here, That's, really, it's a Among Us thing. is Werewolf, yeah. right? Yeah, you can go back that way, but. Yeah. There's a different thing than taking a hit indie game and using the exact same terminology. I guess, yeah. It's just, uh, to me, that's <laughs> shouldn't like call it imposter. imposter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. agent or something. Yeah, secret agent. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm completely with you. And, I, um, and by the way, Fortnite does not get back on the iOS platform just because of this ruling. They're still not, uh, they asked Apple, give us back our developer uh credentials and apple said no so it doesn't yeah, and the judge agreed that they had violated their contract yeah so, yeah they're not yeah. Going back on they have to they, they have to pay a fine so i guess yeah and in balance apple knew it was going to have to give up a little bit that's what they gave up the big one that they didn't want to give up they get to keep and i think they probably aren't going to lose a lot of money i think most users are going to go with whatever the easiest thing is and you know apple's going to do everything they can to make it easier to pay through apple than anything else no matter how many other links there are I disagree with you, Leo. I think we're going to see some scams coming up. I think scams it's is a good point. Children, and actually, that um, was one of the yeah. one of uh, you know. In fact, I was a little offended because uh, uh, was it Eddie Q came on and said, "Yeah, you know, Mac OS is so insecure because we allow this. We don't ever want to allow this on iOS." And it's like, what? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's your defense is to throw Mac OS under the bus. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the judge, by the way, did not buy that argument at mm. all. All right, let's take a little break. Take a breath. Relax. It's great to have you. Brianna Wu is here from Rebellion Pack. 
So nice to see you and your red beret. Have you joined? <laughs> have you joined the? Uh, what was the name of that uh, that uh, vigilante group in New York City? The red the beret with the war the red berets. No, there's a Curtis Sleewer. Oh yeah, Curtis Sleewer. Yeah, what yeah. is that? Uh, didn't, they, didn't they? Didn't Curtis? He ran for mayor, I think. They, he did. Yeah, he's still wearing a red beret. Yeah, that yeah. guy's amazing. He just keeps on going. He got yeah. shot 12 times by the mob, and he just continues oh, on his merry way. The Guardian awesome. Angels. Guardian, that's, yeah, that's the it. The Guardian Angels. Yeah. Is that your Guardian Angel uh, red beret? Uh, honestly, <laughs> I just, I, I figured out that I don't always have to do my hair if I'm wearing a oh. beret, and I can go on TV and Zoom. That's literally Perfect. my thinking Brilliant. process behind it. I got a giant cowboy hat for that. <laughs> well, I know you're there with your Dyson Airwrap before the show. Leo. Actually, course, I do all. Of, I do it all, man. I gotta yes, get the, get yes. the curls in and all of that. You bet. You bet. <laughs> also with us, Carl Bodie, who's now having second thoughts. Carl, of course, longtime tech reporter. I didn't know this. One of the founders of DSL Reports, which I have long plugged. Yeah, uh, it was yep. good job on that, and uh, yeah. and we see him all the time now in Tech Dirt. In fact, I'm going to talk to you about an article you posted on tech dirt recently and a couple of vice articles too we got on the rundown from you he's a busy guy and from cnet senior editor lisa edichico great to see you and your purple hair it's so wonderful thank you is great it purple to be back. is that right or pink it's I think kind it's of pink. more of like a magenta magenta kind of color okay. <laughs> gotta get it right it kind of changes a lot so. i love it no it's great it's yeah great. thank you thank you everybody needs a trademark right <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah. Our show today brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Okay. I love this. For, according to Forbes, gyms, nail salons, what do these what do these businesses have in common? Mom and pop stores and restaurants. They're all you can't go to a restaurant these days without a help wanted sign in the window. They're all on an epic hiring spree. Don't put a help wanted sign in the window. Hire smart with Zip Recruiter. All these businesses reopening means millions of jobs need to be filled. And the best way, and I can tell you from actual experience, the best way to fill these positions is with ZipRecruiter. Why? Well, I'll tell you. First thing, you post your job on ZipRecruiter. It automatically posts to more than 100 other job boards. You're casting the widest possible net, plus Twitter and Facebook and all the social networks. You're going to get your job posting in front of the most people. That means the most likely the right person We'll see it. But then ZipRecruiter has something unique that's fantastic. They're matching technology. It scans resumes across its network of millions of job seekers. It, 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 it looks for someone that matches your qualifications and then proactively presents them to you. And by the way, evidence shows that when you invite somebody to apply, you're going to get more candidates and better candidates. You can easily review the recommendations before you invite. You invite the top choices to apply for your job. That means you're going to apply faster. According to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employers invite candidates to apply will get two and a half times more candidates. And, and I have to tell you from my own experience, again, better candidates, people you really want to hire. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. When we use it, we get often we'll get a quality candidate within an hour, like that fast. It's amazing. Right now, you could try ZipRecruiter free if you go to our special address, ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. ZipRecruiter, Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash T. 
T-W-I-T. It really is the smartest way to hire. Don't put a sign in the window. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash twit. And I'm glad these people are hiring. It's great. It's really great. I can't go anywhere in Petaluma without seeing help wanted, help wanted, help wanted. It's a good time to be looking for work. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on. I'm sorry, we're going to be talking a lot about Apple. There is a lot of Apple news, and it will be that way next week, too, because the invitations have gone out. Apple is having an event on Tuesday, California Streaming, which is a nice little play on the Mamas and the Papas song, and there was a picture of a lake and a floating apple. Lisa, do you, do you go through the annual parsing of the invitation uh, at CNET? Is there a lot of time uh, spent on what does this mean? You know, honestly, uh, I, I never read too much into it. I mean, it's it's kind of fun, I guess, to, to look at it. But you, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I don't feel like you get too much out of it. I mean, every year it seems like Apple has like some kind of like augmented reality Easter egg in these invites now. And it doesn't really amount to much. It usually um, doesn't, does it? After, yeah. all, after all of that. Uh, this they one put is, some puns in there. Like last year, I think it was Time Flies and like right. they unveiled the Apple Watch. Like, okay, but we were expecting that anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, this one's gonna, well, yeah, you're gonna be streaming the event. Anything else to say about that? Um, we pretty much know this is an iPhone event. I mean, this is the time. Yes. Um, you wrote an interesting piece where you said if they make a mini, this might be the last mini. Yeah. I mean, of course, we won't really know for sure until you know, Apple unveils whatever it's going to unveil. But but yeah, there have been some reports that uh, in 2022, Apple could pivot towards actually, um, you know, getting rid of the mini and instead releasing another version of the Pro Max, since that seems to be one of the more popular models. Um, the so mini, I kind of just, the, yeah. The mini didn't sell that well this year, right? No, it, it doesn't seem that way. I mean, I've seen like, you know, of course, Apple doesn't specify by model which right. ones sold well and which ones didn't. But and they would never say something didn't sell well anyway. Right. Um, but there's been like quite a few reports um, that I believe are based on like, you know, channel checks at carriers and whatnot um, from, you know, research comp- market research companies that have you know, indicated that the 12 mini didn't sell well. And I think that was a little surprising at first because whenever there's, you know, a new iPhone size, people are usually really excited about it. And for years, there's been this shift to bigger and bigger screens. So I think there was some expectation that some people might be kind of sick of that and looking for something smaller, especially after the iPhone SE did pretty well. Um, But yeah, it turned out that wasn't really the case. Because of an Apple MagSafe filing with the FCC, we do, I think, know that they, they mentioned eight different models, four legacy models and four new models, models, numbers we hadn't seen before. So I think we do know that Tuesday Apple will announce four new iPhones. Is, is that right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what all of the reports that we've seen leading up to this event are indicating. Um, so, it, you know, and again, this is usually the time of year when Apple announces its new iPhones. Last year, I think, was a little bit of an exception to the rule. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's been every September since oh, like yeah. 2012 or something like that. Apple's been announcing new iPhones. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's I feel like almost certain at this point for sure. And, uh, I feel so guilty. I'm part of the problem that I want the Mini to do well, <laughs> and I always bought the Max. I'm rooting for the Mini. You want and the I extra? It. It's so funny because so many of the people on our shows 
uh, said, oh, I can't wait. The mini's going to be great. The mini's going to be great. But I think you're right. You go for the extra mm-hmm. cameras. You go for oh. the bigger screen, the better screen, the better processor. And uh, also, don't in, forget. In my defi- like, oh, go yeah. ahead. No. Oh, sorry. No, no I was going to say the mini also isn't that much cheaper than the regular iPhone 12. So I think that's part of it, too. It wasn't as cheap as it could have been. And also 6.1 inches is not like not a that big many. phone these days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, well, but I exactly. think they weren't positioning it. Uh, they were still positioning it as a premium. It was just a smaller phone. It wasn't an SE. You know, right. it was it was. And I wonder if the the fourth phone might be an SE this year because it's been two mm. years. Uh, I think that sold very well. In fact, I recommend the SE to a lot of people because it's a less expensive but late model iPhone. Um, yeah, the 100%. SE did really well. yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brianna. I yeah, yeah. So we're talking. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I wish they put out a mini in, with a better camera on it. Like, the reason I always go for the Pro and the Max, it's the camera. Like, once you have that zoom function and that quality, it you just comes it. in handy yeah. All yeah. the time. Yeah. So you know, put that form factor in the mini and I buy it is that they, I think they assume that the person that wants the mini is also going to want a bargain. And I don't agree with that. Like we're both old enough to remember when smaller tech was actually more expensive. That's right. Because you had to, manu- mm-hmm. you had to mini- you know, miniaturize all the parts inside of it. If you can do that, I will take a battery hit. I just, I want a really well done smaller small phone and they won't produce that we'll be planning spending plenty of time all next week talking about whatever apple does announce <laughs> the uh, live stream mike Sargent will join me at 10 a.m pacific 1 p.m eastern on tuesday we uh we take our life in our hands and restream apple's uh, stream with our commentary wow. behind it uh so you can watch that or you can watch the original apple content and then mac break weekly immediately after so uh, ios day will start a little bit early on tuesday so that we can uh, do that. Probably there'll be new AirPods. Probably there will be a new Apple Watch. Some or all of this stuff will be in short supply because of chip shortages. Apple's less hit by chip shortages than a lot of companies, but they still use legacy, what they call legacy nodes, and some of those are still hard to get. In particular, the, uh, the rumor is that the Apple Series 7 watch will be hard to get, but not because of shortages, but because it's hard to make that new big screen that they're going to put on it. One millimeter bigger. (laughs) One silly little millimeter bigger. Anyway, all the coverage really begins uh, Tuesday and will continue until you're sick of it. I thought the most interesting thing, and I really hope this happens, Google released a teaser for its Pixel 6 uh, that got people talking. Because it looked like they might be showing some dates in there. Let me show you and see uh, see what you think of the new uh, Pixel 6 trailer. Because maybe I'll pause it when we get to some... Okay, so what if... There it is. We Wait, what, what, what was that? No. What was that? What was that? It said 9.30. Yeah. Okay, well, That's maybe it's really going to be September 30th. Or is it 9.30 in the morning? I don't know. Keep playing, keep playing. The smartphones were just... Wait a minute, Monday... Wait a minute, what was that? Monday 02. Are they messing with us, Lisa? Is this just... They're just messing with us now. (laughs) They might be. I mean, like we said, reading into these things, you know, I feel like companies know that we're going to read into this to some degree. So they try to maybe throw some Easter eggs in there, maybe just try to throw us off their scent. There's at least four dates in this. Okay, there's the 21st. (laughs) Uh, uh, there was a rumor for a long time that it was going to be 
tomorrow. It was going to be on the uh, 13th. But everybody says, oh, you wouldn't announce a phone the day before Apple. And, oh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> but the whole thing Google needs to do is to get people talking. And this right. teaser certainly got people talking. I yeah, would, and if you... <laughs> You know, it's interesting that they're doing this like for this specific pixel model, because, you know, as you can see, just based on the new design and the way they're kind of positioning this, you know, they're kind of trying to rebrand pixel as being, you know, a really premium phone again after a couple of years of the A series being more popular than the than the regular phone. So it's interesting. And I think, you know, it was a while ago, so I, I might not be remembering correctly, but I think they pulled off like a similar stunt when the original Pixel was announced back in 2016. Like they did something around the same time as like the new iPhone launch, yeah. I think. And um, we you all know, thought they got so badly yeah. burnt by that that they said never again. <laughs> but, you know, you got to get attention however you can. You got to get the Lisa at Chico's of the world to go, oh, there's a new phone. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to cover that. <laughs> I think you're both reading it wrong. I think these are this is a lost series of numbers, like the like the series oh. of lost four, eight, fifteen, sixteen. Uh, what was it? Thirty two. Yeah. This is these are magical numbers that Ooh. will do something. So let's maybe write them all down. Well, Google would it would not be un, unheard of for Google to do something crazy like that, right? <laughs> To, to just, you know, oh, yeah, that's the Fibonacci sequence. And if you uh, were carefully right. observing, we left out the numbers five and seven or something like that. Uh, I, wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past them at all. So I don't know. It's, you know, they're clearly throwing those numbers in just to get us. It will be an interesting phone. It's going to have Google Silicon. There's going to be more and more. I hear more and more rumors about this phone being kind of massively powerful, especially machine learning. Um, it's about time Google kind of took last year off. Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I'm 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 actually rooting for them to announce it tomorrow, and we'll all have to scramble. Have to <laughs> An Jason, even busier week for us. Yeah, yes, Jason and I have to come <laughs> running in. You'll have to go well, quick. Who who do we have on the Google front? Uh, yeah, it'll be yeah. Crazy. Jumping back just a little bit. I mean, speaking really honestly, are you rooting for the chip shortage with like a small part of your mind? Because for me, it's like I look at what this has done for the car industry, and you know, used cars it's killed are the massively- car industry. It's killed the new car industry, yeah. but it's also like older cars. Oh, I know. Like people are wringing more life out of their cars and they're maintaining them. And, it's and they're like, wringing more money out of used car buyers at the same, fair, at fair. The same time. Oh, my car, I, I'm biased. My cars have all gone up and by, uh-huh. But at the same time, it's like none of us need a new phone every single year. Like we all participate because we're in the tech industry to various degrees. But do you think that like, maybe this is the moment we take a collective breath and say, do we really need to get on this upgrade cycle every year? Cause yeah. I think it could yeah. be good. Yeah. I'm I think all that's for already kind that. of fading. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, I'm all for slowing the hype cycle a little bit, especially, you know, as somebody who covers the right to repair beat quite a bit and yes. how much more and better we could be doing in terms of sustainability and reusing and repairing devices. I you know, bought for me that slows it down just a little bit. I mean, I like gadgets too, mm-hmm. but we could slow it down by make at least 10% hype oh, and maybe. Plus, okay. <laughs> this is purely personal, but September is so damn expensive. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I got to buy so much crap. And it's not just for like me, I, but Jason Howell needs some stuff. Micah needs some stuff. I bought the Framework laptop, Carl, because I wanted to see if you could make a repairable laptop. And I love it unreasonably. It's actually the best laptop I've got now. I'm really a hmm. fan. Uh, you can open it up. Everything's QR coded. Many of the parts are stock, so you could easily re- add memory, replace memory, and storage. Uh, you can replace the battery easily. You're kind of dependent on framework to make motherboards and batteries, uh, you know, some of the c- custom components. But I like the idea, and it, and it makes me think you could do the same thing with a phone. I hope somebody will make yeah, a repairable was, phone. There was a push there. I don't know. Most of them didn't go anywhere, but there was a push there for all the modular devices a, where you could repair, yeah. pull out a part and replace a part and make it, you know, so you could be more sustainable. But every time I see one of those announced, it seems to just disappear completely. What was it? The Google Yeah, that's true. Era? Motorola tried to do that, yeah. I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah. Google yeah, Aura, right. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple and they never seemed to really go anywhere. And I wish they would. And I actually, you know, I'm a, I have a Google phone and I was perfectly ha- I used to join the $1,000 upgrade cycle in last year because of the chip shortage. I bought this, you know, one of the first pixels that they had with 5G and I've been like perfectly satisfied with every aspect of it. I sat out last year. I, I still have the X4XL. Because- I'm curious. Do you think people outside of, you know, like the tech industry no. and tech journalism upgrade every year? <laughs> I know where I you're going. Like no, that used to they be absolutely the case. don't. No. I think once phones became like once the price for like a the new iPhone or whatever jumped up to a thousand dollars, I yeah. think that's when people, people were like, mm, "I'm not going to do that." <laughs> not yeah. every year. I, mean, I, got a, <laughs> I got a call from a woman today on the radio show because the radio show is where I talk to normals, and I got a call from the woman on the radio show who said, "My husband and I have Pixel uh, uh, iPhone sixes, and we just found out that I, iOS is on iOS 14, and we, you know, we're on 12." Uh, so we're going to get a new one. Is the 10R any good? <laughs> I said, yeah, it's great. Uh, it's three years old now, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it was very nice in t- 2019. I, uh, highly recommend it. Well, it's uh, funny. Cause like the iPhone 11 is still so popular. Yes. And I think that's part of why the, the 12 mini also didn't do well, because theoretically, if people are shopping for like whatever the less expensive iPhones are, you could get a really good phone in the iPhone 11 that does almost everything the 12 can do, but you know, certainly enough for the everyday average person. And I think for a lot of people, it's very smart to wait for the A pixels, not the, not the pixel five, but the five A or the four A or because those are pretty much just as good for a lot less money. Um, Oh yeah. And also like the, the, their flagship phones in recent years, I feel like, just haven't been doing very well, like, you know, reception wise. Like, I feel like a lot of their reviewers were like, hey, this is a good phone, but it's just too expensive and doesn't have everything it should have for a flagship phone or it has too much. Like with the Pixel 4, I think is the one that had the gesture recognition that I don't I don't think people really used. And yeah, yeah, the solely sensor. Exactly. And then they kind of got rid of that with the next model. Yeah. Well, look, phone companies have I mean, phone manufacturers have to come up with something to get you to buy. I mean, look what my yeah. look what Microsoft has done with Windows. They completely made up a new version of Windows that's basically rounded corners and a centered, centered start menu and said it's new. It's Windows 11. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get people to buy You've got HDR new- for games though. You've got HDR. Okay. For games. Okay. Really is that going to make a big and you have to have a card that supports it. Is this FSR? What is HDR? Is uh, is it- uh, auto HDR so it's basically the auto making HDR. old okay. old games look look good. No, I'm I'm right there with you. I just think 
I, I think will you be is... able to get auto HDR on ten, or you'll have to get eleven to get that. I, I think, think they it's... offered it on ten. It's a DirectX capability. They had some features for it, as I understood, okay. but okay. it will be like universal. As Mostly I understand, they just it. want people yeah. to buy a new computer, and they know they won't. Mm-hmm. Just like they won't buy a new phone unless they right. give them a reason. I just, I think slowing it, like I personally am pessimistic. I think the chip shortage is going to affect the auto industry for a long time personally. And I think it's it's going to affect the the tech industry, the wider tech industry for a while. And I, I, I don't know. I just think like us taking a breath and thinking how many years we can get out of a Mac or if we I can agree. like start designing things that are more upgradable. I, I just think at a certain point, we're going to have to have an adult conversation about that. Or just go down in flames. Yeah, <laughs> yes. one, or, one or the other. One or the other. <laughs> you have your choice. There's a choice. <laughs> All right, let's take a little break. This podcast today supported by AT&T. If there are friends and family members you haven't talked to in a while, don't worry. It's never too late to reconnect to help. AT&T is offering deals on the latest smartphones. wonder what those could be. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T is giving new and existing customers their best deals on every smartphone, even the latest ones. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Visit att.com for details. Thank you, AT&T, for supporting This Week in Tech. Uh, oh, there was something you brought up I wanted to follow up on. I have the mind of a, a sieve. Um... Golly, we could talk about proton mail. That's an interesting story because I was always a little hesitant with proton mail. Carl, you you have a, a story on motherboard because proton mail shared the IP address location information with French authorities uh, of a climate activist, even yeah, though they yeah. they advertised for a long time, we don't log your IP address. How did that happen? Were they actually logging IP addresses? Well, I don't. From what I remember, they weren't at the time. But you know, they still. Well, they well being in Switzerland allows them some protection from you know certain requests. They still have to adhere to Swiss law. You know, and yeah, I of think course. what happened is the French authorities just went through Europol, who then communicated with the Swiss court and said, "You pretty much have to do this." And you know, I mean. They had no choice. They really didn't have much leeway. The problem, as you noted, is that the marketing for these services always kind of frames these services as if they're some kind of super heroic privacy miracle cure. You know, we're in Switzerland, which means, you know, people really would never get to see your email. And it's just not true. Except it's not true. (laughs) And I've always said email was never designed to be private or secure. It's not. That's not. And it's almost impossible to make it so unless you encrypt the data and you arrange ahead of time to get the other guy's public key so that he can, you know, and all of that. Yeah, like ProtonMail provides good secure service. The problem is that email just is inherently not the most secure thing in the world. If you're sending from ProtonMail to another uh, email service, it's not always going to be secure. So if you're an activist who really is very concerned about hiding your identity, Really, don't talk to people on email. Use an encrypted messaging service. You know that's basically the lesson. You signal, yeah, and it and it really underscores uh, how valuable metadata is because there's no evidence in this that they handed over the contents of messages. In fact, they asserted, "No, no, your message is still private." Still, they got the guy right. They arrested him based on IP address information 
and device yeah. details, both of which they had because they logged that stuff. And their transparency reports had previously been saying, you know, that that happens sometimes, but only in the most extreme cases. And we're in Switzerland again, remember, so everything's pretty safe, you know. But then to, but to see this happen and then how quickly they had to uh, change all of their website information to kind of water down their promises. You see that a lot, too, in, you know, VPN services. You know, VPN services are often treated like just they're inherently some kind of magic security bullet. And I think people who don't know any better get one thinking that they're impervious to any kind of outside surveillance. And that's just not the case. You, Do know, you, you don't know who, who you don't know what they're collecting. You don't know if the company's reputable, you know, if you're, just, if you're a target, uh, it would behoove you not to listen to, uh, marketing promises from anybody, including Apple, by the way, because mm-hmm. we now know with the NSO groups, Pegasus, that the, uh, Apple, People aren't somehow magically protected. Brianna, do you have any OPSEC advice? Do you do you pursue any OPSEC uh, protocols? I, I well, I do. I I want to say when I was running for Congress, we looked at uh, you know the email protocol quite a bit. I would encourage people to go look at the Wikipedia page for uh, for how email is sent. I mean, it really is a system from the eighties built on top of another system, <laughs> yes. built on top of another system. Pray to God our server side encryption holds and send it out there. I mean, it's uh, it's a product. If you were designing it today, it would look very different. Um, um, I, I do think overall, though, I feel like we're kind of giving Proton Mail a pass, and I'm not. I, I I feel like at the bare minimum, their messaging on this to the public has been a disaster. And a more cynical view is that they're not really going to have their users' backs. So um, I can tell you this 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 really obviated any instinct I might have to use their service. We, uh, Steve Gibson always mocked uh, ProtonMail <laughs> because on their webpage, they've changed it a little bit, but they would, they would show the, the Matterhorn and say, uh, our data is secured, <laughs> securely stored inside a Swiss mountain. So you know you're safe. And, uh, yeah. and I think we, uh, we all realized that that is kind of a meaningless, <laughs> meaningless claim. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, email is just not inherently secure, period. I agree. And, I agree. And anybody who says it is is probably selling you something. Um, and the problem is PGP, which is one way to kind of sort of send secure email, is a pain in the ass. I use it, but it's a pain in the ass. Nobody wants to use it. Nobody knows how to use it. I've had a PGP. I published my PGP key, and I've been doing so for 20 years. I have yet to receive anything except people saying, testing my PGP key. Can you read this? <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I ever get, and by the way, you're welcome to send me those, but uh, I guess if we ever had to, we we could. But then the metadata is still problematic. Um, yeah, I think like the big takeaway, I mean, this isn't really a takeaway because it's been very obvious for a long time, but it's just another reminder that there really is no such thing as true privacy, right. at least not, you know, certainly not with email, but in, I feel like in, you could say that about Almost, you know, anything that you're doing online or through no, your phone or whatever, it's just 100%. impossible. Yeah. I mean, I use, I, you know, when people ask for private communications, I'll, I'll give them my signal. Phone, yeah. I'll give that out. I'm not, and I'm sure, you know, I, I think that Open, what is it, Open Whisper Foundation, they're good. And I'm, I know Moxie Marlin Spike does everything he can to make it secure. But if you put it on the internet, Steve, Gibson, our security guy, always says, really, you're only safe if you go out half naked in the middle of a field 
cover yourself with a blanket and talk one-on-one. That's the only time. <laughs> and even that, I think, even that's probably not it. You probably should you know. sweep the field for bugs yeah. before you do. Yeah. yeah. But, but just because something is imperfect doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. And I, I do think there's a conversation to be had. Like, look, let's just level with people. Email, generally speaking, is where the adults are having conversations, right? Like that is the workhorse. It's always been the workhorse. And I don't think it's crazy for us to want a better standard. Something I find really disturbing is iCloud and Gmail are two very, very popular email systems, but they're they're built on these proprietary backends. You know, they may have an IMAP service or POP service, but you know, ultimately they're they're doing things their way on their own end. I think it's long past time for our industry to come together and rethink email from the very beginning and come up with something at the very least uh, that is you know it, even if you're hiding the PGP key from people, like have pair key encryption from on it, right? Like let's come up with something truly secure that even if the metadata gets leaked, like the 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 message itself can't be leaked. I just I think this is a really strong priority for our industry. She can have the ideal, like, oh, you signal. I'm sorry. Sometimes I have to send my lawyer something, and I would like a more secure way to do that. Actually, I mean, if you're going to talk that way. <laughs> Uh, I've been reading more and more articles about people saying, you know, the entire industry's computing infrastructure is based on C and C++ written years ago by people who are no longer around, no longer (laughs) maintaining it. No one really understands how it works. As long as we're reinventing email, we probably should just reinvent the whole damn thing. Rewrite it all. Yeah, yeah. and it's all running on telecom infrastructure that also has all kinds of terrible vulnerabilities. It's all on SS7, which hasn't been fixed in generations. Or satellite broadband systems have all kinds of inherently terrible security vulnerabilities. And, you know, the GAO will issue a report or somebody saying that these networks need to be secured and we'll just ignore them. Yeah. Repeatedly. Uh, I was stunned and I learned this lesson many years ago when Wozniak, Steve Wozniak, told me one of his hobbies was to listen in on satellite phone conversations. (laughs) 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 He said, oh, no, no, you know, it's not it's not secure. So, he, you know, I mean, he just would like of an evening and turn on the radio and just listen to what people are talking about. Uh, and, you know, I think part of the, the problem, too, goes back to what you were saying, Leo, about, thing, you know, services that are more secure, not being as convenient. And, you know, not to say that there shouldn't be options for people who need extra privacy, like Brianna is absolutely right, like as users of these services, we deserve to have that and and we should be expecting more. But, uh, you know, what concerns me is that I I wonder, you know, I, I feel like consumers, at least the mass market, you know, the general public, tends to go for the easiest and and most convenient option most of the time. And usually that option is also the one that's the least secure and where you're giving up a lot more of your, you know, personal privacy and and information. I mean, you know, it's, it's probably the same reason why a lot of people would use, you know, something like Google Chrome over DuckDuckGo. It's just convenient. Everything's there if you are like a Google user. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I hope that companies are still incentivized to build products that have that extra, you know, in-depth layer of security, like what, you know, we would hope to get out of something like ProtonMail, um, you know, even if it's unsure how big the market for something like that might eventually be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um... I think 
probably 99% of users don't care about anything we've talked about for the last hour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. give me my phone. Yeah. Let me press Which the button. Why- yeah. yeah, which is why you need to bake this stuff in inherently into the systems of yeah. the building, just from the, from the ground up. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. we've entered this phase where privacy is sometimes framed as a luxury option. You know, I know telecoms kind of do that. You know, if you pay five dollars more a month, you get a little bit more security and privacy. And I don't, I don't like that whole shift. You know, just build it in from the from the base up and and work from there. Because yeah, consumers just, I mean, especially during a pandemic, who has time? Isn't there know, something in like? Apple's new iCloud tier or whatever the I'm I'm like hazy on the details, but it was something that they announced as I think at WWDC where you can uh pay to have um some kind of extra security feature. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing a Apple- horrible yeah, job yeah, at no, explaining no, no. this. <laughs> I will I will back you up. If you buy Apple yeah. One, which is their all in one package, I think thirty bucks, some bucks, where you get everything. One of the things you get is a uh, is essentially uh, a relay service on iCloud. It's like a, it's basically a VPN and, uh, sort of like a VPN. Uh, so I think it's called iCloud Relay. And they don't, I don't know if this is going to come out this week with uh, iOS 15, but iCloud Private Relay, but you have to have an iCloud Plus account. Although yes, that's I, what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. I think a lot of people who pay for iCloud, I get it with a uh, Apple One, but I think a lot of people pay for iCloud. I think everybody will get it automatically. Um, yeah, not exactly a VPN. It's a it's a relay. It's kind of it, more like a tour, kind of, because you're you're it hides your IP address because it's routed through. It's really the case unless Apple or Google does it. Uh, it you know no no very few individuals except people who are highly motivated like you know if you're running for Congress, Brianna. Mm-hmm. Most people you you were using the Google Titan keys and all of that, right? You, I, I still do. I yeah. still do. They're on the shelf right behind me. Yeah. I just I think I feel so strongly that like we don't ask Americans to keep themselves safe the same way we do with with tech. Oh like, come okay, on, we can't good, even get them to wear masks. What are you talking well, about? Well, I mean, Americans so don't want to be safe. <laughs> Look at like kids' pajamas. Okay. Look at children's pajamas, right? They're all fireproof, period. Right. We don't ask parents to go no. understand the materials and Good what point. the fire Good stuff point. is for every single set of children's clothes. We just mandate it. And I think it's so unfortunate that this uh, kind of government desire, inherent desire of all governments, not just ours, to kind of keep tabs on the people and prosecute crimes is very much at odds with keeping us safe from you know hackers and scams and things like that. It's just, it's so frustrating because we don't have any apparatus doing the bare minimum. Yeah. 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 We don't even have a privacy law for the internet era. You know, we, 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 Oh, it's crazy. We don't, we don't care. I mean, it hasn't been a, it hasn't been a priority. I see government report after government report showing how these things aren't secure. And only in the last two years have people started to take a lot of it seriously. So Mm -hmm. I I agree 100% in that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, whose responsibility is it? Government's responsibility to mandate, as we do with pajamas, uh, safe computing? You know, at this at this point, I don't know. Congress gets obsessed with one privacy issue for about six months and then forgets about it three months later. You know, so I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. And mandating, you know, what's happening now is the federal apathy on privacy and security has created state by state laws like California coming in and passing right. its own Internet privacy law. But that comes with its own issues, you know, and it doesn't help somebody in Tennessee or it doesn't help somebody in any number of states that aren't going to follow California's lead. So we need more federal leadership. We need somebody, you know, we need we need 
you know, hungrier, more tech savvy lawmakers. And that comes <laughs> down really to the that comes down to the voter to vote them in and stop voting in people oh, who have yeah. absolutely no idea. What and, and people like Brianna I, to run. I agree with that. Yeah. Yes, she definitely <laughs> agrees with that. Like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to run again. Just not, Are you? not this year. So, tell, so you didn't even get to you got to the primary, but you mm-hmm. you were running against a strong incumbent in the same. That's party. correct. Well, here in, in my district, whoever yeah. wins the primary wins the general. It's um, a very democratic. Because the district. other party, yeah. the other party, just isn't here. But uh, yeah, I feel very strongly about that. So you had an I uphill agree. battle, but this is the problem: is that people love their personal congressman member. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to get an incumbent out of office. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even if they're horrible to the rest of the country, <laughs> people yep. still elect them because they love them. That's my guy. He's getting the he got the he got the plant built down the road. Yeah, exactly right. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, you know what? I, you can't be a perfectionist. Certainly not in politics, but I think just in mm-hmm. general in life, you can't say, "Well, it should be so much better." Because it's messy. This stuff is all messy. We just do the best we can, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice. Children's pajamas don't burst into flames anymore. That's good. <laughs> people drive around with seatbelts. That's good. We saved a lot of lives that way. Can't get people to wear masks, but, you know, we'll, we're working on it. There was yeah, some news this a- week about vaccine mandates. I was very excited well, about uh, it. But, you know, you, you, saw you, the, know? The, you saw the... the strong pushback i wonder what's going to happen i mean there's there are going to be now interminable court cases over this yeah i it was i think it's look i'm in favor of it uh i think it's showing leadership from the white house but i wonder (laughs) in the long run if it's going to happen because such strong pushback what to see with SCOTUS, but uh, my point is, like, I think federal leadership is what solves problems like this, and I, I think the individual Not local. approach just isn't going to work. Not so, local. You got, yeah, because opinion. for stuff that is fed, that is nationwide, no, mm-hmm. you know, even California's privacy law doesn't, I mean, doesn't it have an impact, though? I mean, doesn't it help? I, you know, so I think they go, they get too ambitious with some of these laws. They're so convoluted, and there's so many loopholes and strange caveats that I think they, they're, they're not helpful. I, I think it would be great if federal lawmakers could just pass a basic, clean, simple privacy law. You know, start there. Right. Start simple, like you suggest. You know, a, a law that basically says you have to be transparent about what you're collecting and selling just and give tell the consumer people. the ability to opt out. Yeah. yeah, tell them, be honest with people, give them the ability to opt out, you know, and... Uh, Maybe incre- incrementalism still- is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. because we're not doing anything else. I mean, there's right. it's it's ridiculous. You have all these ad tech middlemen brokers and telecoms and oh app makers God, and every, everybody's just hoovering up every shred of data they can and failing to secure it at like T-Mobile is a reputable company who can't secure their stuff. I had to go to, and it turns out I didn't know, there are now five credit reporting agencies. I had to go to all, I'm a T-Mobile customer. I had to go to all five of them to freeze my my credit account. And I I what I love about those is every time that one of those hacks happens is you get free credit reporting as if you hadn't gotten free credit reporting when Equifax was hacked. (laughs) Oh, wasn't that nice of you? Yeah. Yeah. Like I've got 17 instances of free credit reporting and it's not really helping me. I mean, the onus has to be on the company to do a better job securing their stuff. So just uh, since I mentioned it and I know people are going to ask me, besides uh, Equifax, Experian and TransUnion, there's also Innovis, I-N-N-O-V-I-S. I never heard of them. And I think Checks, what is it? What is the 
I think it's Chex, C-H-E-X, something like that. Um, there are now at least five credit reporting agencies, and these other ones go under the radar. But you have to you absolutely, of course, that's where the bad guys are going to go. Uh, is is I will go for whatever credit reporting agency knows how to update their Apache uh, server oh with the Lord. latest hack, so it's it doesn't all mess. get out. Well, just, you know, just make that the tagline. We by, will we will patch uh, Apache. By the way, because out. you know these companies hate credit freezes because they make money selling your information to credit card mm-hmm. vendors. So as soon as I signed up with all five of them for a credit freeze, I started getting immense amounts of email from them. Because in order to sign up, what do you have to do? Give them your email address. So right. now I'm getting all sorts of solicitations from them because they're t- desperately trying to make up <laughs> for the lost <laughs> revenue. They basically yeah. see this as an opportunity to mine me. Uh, uh, Checks yeah, Systems. Yeah. Checks yeah. Systems is the other one. And there's probably more than those five. Yeah. Um, I figure, though, maybe, Carl, it's safe to say everybody knows everything about everybody. Like... What am I doing protecting my social security number? I'm sure it's out there, right? Well, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, at this point, there's been so many at leaks. At this point. The, the thing that's funny is they always promise that your data is uh, anonymized. You know, a lot of their, oh, a yeah, lot of companies sure. will just say, oh, it's anonymized, so oh, nothing yeah. bad can happen to your right. data. But, you know, you safe. have so many, you have so many sections, so many leaks and so many hacks and so many uh, you just cross reference. data that are out there. You just yeah, cross-reference it. I can't. I've lost track of the amount of studies that have shown yeah. that like it takes two seconds to compare right. data from this group from data to the other. It's, right. It's, it's very silly. By the way, ProtonMail did what everybody now does. Zoom did this as soon as they were accused of security issues. Well, you get some big security people on your board. ProtonMail <laughs> has added Sim, ter, Tim, Sir Tim Berners Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web, to its advisory board. Oh well, now it's okay. <laughs> Next. Fixed. Sir Tim says, well, I am a firm supporter of privacy. Thank you, Sir Tim. And I hope the check clears. Uh, okay. I'm no, I, I don't, I'm trying not to be a security nihilist, a privacy nihilist. Uh, that's a term I think Bruce Schneier coined for people who just give it, they just throw up your hands. It's like, I give up. I give up. What are you going to do? It's pretty easy to do. Um, Carl Bodie. Has, it's Bodie, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Not Tom Bodette. Carl Bodie wrote an article saying, this is great news. More communities are building their own broadband. Why? Because of COVID? How is that happening? Well, you know, everybody, most people don't like their regional telecom giant, whether it's, you know, Comcast or whoever it is, you know, and most people only have the choice. It's a monopoly. 83, a duopoly 83, million, Ameri- yeah, 83 million Americans live under a, a broadband monopoly. You know, here in Seattle, which is, you know, uh, Silicon Valley North, I have the uh, choice of one provider, Comcast. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> it's awful. You know. And this has been going on for 25 years, literally. We've thrown billions and billions and billions of dollars at this problem. And it just so I think a lot of these local towns and cities have just gotten incredibly frustrated. So there's about a thousand different um, communities that have in the last decade or two built their own broadband access that routinely winds up being cheaper, faster, more reliable. Um, the money that the locals spend on this service goes back into the community. Uh, the people who work for these providers tend to live in the communities they serve. So unlike a lot of these regional monopolies, the money is staying there and they're more accountable to the locals. So I'm surprised because I I know that when uh, Philadelphia tried this, 
that they were immediately sued and uh, and and state legislatures across the country started passing bills prohibiting municipal broadband. But yeah. this yeah. is despite those bills. Yeah, there's 17 states that currently have passed uh, laws restricting towns and cities from getting into the broadband business or building their own broadband ne- networks or expanding those networks. Um, but I think COVID really showcased when you saw toddlers like sitting on the sidewalk oh, outside, outside of Taco McDonald's. Bell yeah, yeah. Yeah, to oh. try and get online for class. You know, mm. this has always been a problem, but COVID really accelerated, you know, the awareness. So it really has driven Good. some action. Good. And so those 17 states forget it. There's, it depends. Each state has a different variation. Sometimes they, they'll, it'll be an outright ban on building your own local network, and sometimes it'll be worded in a very convoluted way to make it as difficult as possible to raise funds or to expand, or you can't market in this zone, or you can only, if it's like, a lot of these networks are built on the back of the local power utility. And so what Chattanooga did that, say, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the fastest and cheapest fiber providers in the nation. They you have know, gigabit. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what a lot of people sometimes about, do is say you oh. can't expand you can't expand this network outside of the local utility footprint. You know, some of the laws will say something like that. And there's no real reason for it outside of the fact that the regional telecom monopolies who literally ghostwrite most of these laws just told the state representatives that they didn't want that to happen. And there's no this stuff is super popular, it's bipartisan. There's no excuse for the failure that I've seen and, in the last and the, twenty the, years. The ideological argument is that well, you wouldn't want government to compete with private industry yeah but the counter argument is that you know a lot of these companies have had 20 years to wire these areas and they don't want to because the return on their investment is low but at the same time they don't want anybody else building their own broadband networks because they might want to go back (laughs) there someday yeah we may someday yeah (laughs) it's a very it's a very cake and eat it too kind of thing for these companies oh what a surprise yeah, I'm just yeah, thinking about when I ran for Congress, I got to know so much about local budgeting, like more than I ever would have thought. And I'd like here in uh, Dedham, where, you know, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Paul Thoreau, used to live here, too. Right. We canceled our trail this year, like a just walking trail, because COVID has destroyed our municipal budget. If you go over to poor areas of Massachusetts, uh, like Brockton, I can promise you the Brockton tax base is not, you know, going to like go for a bunch of uh, broadband development right now. So yeah. I, I kind of, I, I'm for you, I'm with you in principle, but I'm also thinking about the people that need it most and thinking about towns like Whitman where they're like, hey, we're just going to have our library open for three days a week because we have no money. You know, we're going to have a four day a week police department. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking about like, is it really a a feasible thing all through the United States. Like COVID no, is going to affect our local revenues for years. Yeah. It's not like a silver bullet where you could just do this mm-hmm. in every nation. And and there's also like multiple varieties of different types of ISPs that are built out of this model. You know, some will be on the back of the local power utility that won't use taxpayer money at all. Some will be a mm-hmm. private, private public partnership that, you know, just works with a local provider like Google fiber or somebody to, to deploy to the area. So it's we, not, it's not all, it's not all just tax based driven, Models. I mean, there's a wide variety of models they can explore. Here in uh, this little town of Petaluma, about 60,000 people, there was a big initiative about five years ago to put in community Wi-Fi. Uh, initially, Comcast was going to help, but then they bowed out. Then another provider was going to help. They bowed out. They put some stuff up, but it didn't work. It's gone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think it's just a hard thing uh, to do. And there isn't a lot of support from the incumbents, of course. So you really have to have a leader 
a civic leader who's going to really push it through. Yeah, it's like any, you know, I mean, one of the things the telecom companies will do is they'll just say that these are automatic taxpayer boondoggles and you should never try it. But I mean, they're just like any other business plan and they require a good leader and a sound yeah. plan. And, and mm-hmm. you know, look at Chat, look at Chattanooga that built its own fiber network when Comcast refused to. Uh, they, they've been ranked consistently one of the most affordable, fastest Internet providers in the country. Well, the other good reason to do it is is evidence shows everywhere that uh, incumbents were challenged by fiber, whether it was Google Fiber or others, that prices went down, that, you know, speeds went up. And and even in some communities where there's fiber up to this road, you could see the prices go up as soon as the fiber from the other company is not available. It's like no competition. Great. We're going to raise the prices. It's the thing the thing the thing that's frustrating is like, you know, the uh, approach to ban these entirely. We've spent literally about 25 years where the U.S., ever since we broke up Ma Bell, the U.S. telecom policy has basically been to do whatever the dominant regional uh, monopolies want. I mean, with some exceptions, Mm. occasionally. You know, like net neutrality was an effort to say, okay, maybe we should apply some very basic rules to these companies. And anytime anybody tries to do that, the companies get Congress to freak out. You know, trying something different will destroy the Internet, you know. You know, that's basically their line. But the good news I is think this- we live in this great country. We have the best Internet in the world, right? Mm, incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, afraid, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid we rank pretty much mediocre on every metric that matters, the, whether the, you're looking at... The country that invented the Internet, 14th place globally yeah. in yeah. speed. <laughs> yeah. We're both 14th in fixed-line broadband and 14th in wireless. And I yeah. think the... At least we're consistent. Actually, yeah, we actually got a little worse uh, in fixed line broadband, despite a lot of fiber. So. Uh, wow, we're slower than Canada, Italy, Saudi Arabia. The argument I hear when I mention this is, well, those countries uh, have uh, federally su- federally supported or federally owned, government-owned uh, internet companies or telecom companies. Is that always the case? No, not, I don't think Canada has too many of those. I mean, the, well, No, Canada's got the worst tele... That's funny because Canada's got the worst telecom companies. Rogers, yeah, they're very similar. They're, they're very similar to us. They're, they're re- regional monopolies that yeah. have been allowed to write laws for literally 20 years. And then people stand around with a silly look on their face wondering why things are spotty and expensive and slow. <laughs> okay. Well, and I, we, just, I, really, I really support just anything. It, it seems logical to allow these little niche solutions to thrive so that yes. we can have any kind of creative solution. Yes. Uh, 100%. It's, it's common sense. And, and, hey, at least we may only be 14th in terms of speed, but we are the least expensive, right, Carl? No, we're not the most, <laughs> one, of the, one of the most expensive countries for both wireless Wait and wired. You You're know. telling me we pay more and get less? Yeah, and then there's that customer service, which is... Oh, God, I love them. (laughs) I think I saw a survey once. People would rather have a heart attack than call Comcast customer service. (laughs) These companies are literally... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, these companies are literally ranked worse in customer satisfaction and service than pretty much any industry in America. And when you think about the fact that that includes includes banks, that includes insurance, that includes airlines, I mean, that's, that's a feat. And it's been pretty consistent. There's been some minor improvements from some of these companies in the last few years, but it's it's not great. You could argue that maybe there's something flawed in our democracy because it, actually it's not just broadband. It's also medical. It's yeah, a, it's, 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 yeah. This is a yeah. lot of areas where we should be number one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just I, I look, education. I look, yeah. When I, when I spent a lot of time covering these companies, I would look at the way the, the success they had writing bills. And there's literally 
some of these some of these companies control effectively control state legislatures. They can get the bills passed. Any telecom laws that are passed are written by them, ghostwritten by them. And that's, you know, I've started learning that. And then you, yeah, like you said, you start looking around at um, healthcare and other industries and it's pretty much the same. I just, thank goodness, we're we really re- uh, strong on women's reproductive right. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just forget it. Just, oh, just. I'm going to start drinking on this show. <laughs> no, no. Oh, we're going to get up beat. We're going to get up beat. Let's oh, take a little break. I, 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 really, I really do think it's a positive change that these communities are taking. No, you know, I agree. I've been a longtime supporter of municipal broadband. I think it's brilliant. I think it's right. Uh, we really ought to do it, and uh, and every community ought to look at it. In fact, a good friend of mine was an activist, would go around helping company uh, cities set this up. Uh, I really think it's the right thing to do, and it, and it helps everybody. It's good for the economy, and frankly, it it, it helps these uh, these incumbents because they're going to do a better job because they're getting competition finally they you know they can't just rest on their laurels or whatever that yeah, is. Makes them, makes like them just... now that all of our jobs are on zoom i've taken more we need zoom it. Meetings yeah we need in it the last month than my entire is starlink is starlink yeah. going to be the solution for this is it gonna uh i think anything that applies a little pressure on these companies are good the, the problem with starlink is going to be a capacity one when you figure there's somewhere between 20 and 40 million americans that have no access and another 83 wow. million have a monopoly that live under a monopoly and starlink i think with their initial load of satellites is going to reach about 500 to 800 thousand customers they, know, the they did they did just ask the fcc for approval for a total of thirty thousand satellites yeah yeah, with a, with a with a maximum capacity of forty two thousand satellites, they should be able to reach reach about six million potential customers. So it's still very limited. I didn't realize it was going to be that limited. I mean, come on, y'all! You read the Verge piece on this, like looking at Starlink and what the promises are and what the reality is. It's not yeah. good. Yeah. It's it's yeah. terrible. Uh, Neil Patel I mean, there, writes: broadband dreams fall to oh. earth. Yeah. If you love reading mean <laughs> reviews of Neil products, great and I do, stuff. please yeah. read this. It is so, yeah. it's it's a disaster. Yeah, he actually ordered it and talks about his experience. Uh, I actually, because I after reading this, I wanted to try it. So I have, I'm on the waiting list <laughs> for $500 in satellite equipment and $100 a month uh, in service. But I just want to, at some point, I want to be able to just put it on my back. And and you know travel and stuff, but I don't know. I mean, if you, if your only option is satellite broadband or this nothing is better at all, than it's anything, gonna, it's going to be yeah. it's going to be a big better than upgrade, exceed, so. better than wild blue, but yeah, yeah, it's the best. The, best the problem is there's limited slots, and I think Elon Musk fans are going to gobble up a lot of those to put you know satellites yeah. on their cyber trucks and stuff. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is, as ridiculous as that sentence sounds, it's, it's true. Actually, is pretty yeah. believable and is true. I think, I think it is. Uh, now, the I other, the other major attacked because that was my plan. That was going to be my sixth car with a cyber truck. Oh, yeah, with flags would be nice. Oh. Yeah, what's what's going on with the cyber truck? I feel like I haven't heard anything. I think they changed the design a little bit. Going. Like he backed down a little bit on the design. I'm yeah, I think sure. they delayed again. Yeah, I yeah. thought I remember reading another delay. Yeah. The other problem with Starlink is that, you know, the affordability thing, like $100 a month plus a $500 charge is not exactly appealing to somebody who's struggling in rural Wisconsin. You know, like like well, know. they need they no, need service tiers at around $40 a month. Yeah. And so it's not it's not really helping those people. I mean, if they can afford it, maybe. And then there's the debate about the light pollution in the night sky, which is a whole other layer that, that yeah. you know. as Neil I. Patel says, people are so desperate for good internet that they say F telescopes. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Screw them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're delaying the Cybertruck to late 2022. He says it will be a glitch in the Matrix. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm stunned. The company that didn't ship the Tesla Roadster on time, the Model 3 on time, and now the Cybertruck is delayed. I am stunned, Leo. I just want my robot, you know, vapor <laughs> robot that was actually a person in a suit dancing. Oh, I know. God. And uh, I'm going to praise Elon in a little bit. We're going to take a break, but I'm going to praise Elon in a little mm-hmm. bit because he, there is something going on this week that's pretty inspirational that Elon's up to. But first, we'll take a break. Our show today brought to you by IT Pro TV. I know a lot of you, because you listen to the show, I know you're geeks. You might be uh, in IT. A lot of you are. A lot of you interested in a career in IT. A lot of jobs disappearing. One job is not going away. The person who knows how the how the network works, the person who knows how the servers run, the person who can keep it all secure, a career in IT is a great idea. And the best way to learn all those skills, IT Pro TV. Keep your certs up to date. Get those certs in the first place. They have seven studios running Monday through Friday all day, 5,800 hours of on-demand IT training the perfect environment for you to learn IT. This month, it's Microsoft Month at IT Pro TV. They've been doing theme months lately, which is great. More than 800 hours of Microsoft content, including next weekend, their free weekend, September 18th and 19th. There'll be courses in PowerShell, Azure training. Just a great way to take, just taste test of IT Pro TV. They're the Microsoft experts. They can make you one, too. They've got courses on MTA Windows Operating System Fundamentals. That's 98-349. MTA Security Fundamentals, 98-367. Microsoft Azure, AZ500, and so many more. IT Pro TV is great because it's entertaining. It's fun. In fact, they call their instructors edutainers. Experts in the field, but also really expert at communicating and making IT interesting. And I love IT Pro TV because you can watch it anywhere. It's on your computer, stream it via the web. They have iOS and Android apps. You can get IT Pro TV on your Chromecast, on your Roku, on your Apple TV. So you watch anywhere, listen anywhere, and learn all the time. They divide the courses up into small chunks, 20 and 30 minutes, easy to digest during your lunch break. Uh, or binge, go on, just enjoy it. And, and all the edutainers are staff members, so they're there if you need assistance all day, every day. You'll be learning from your own home on your own schedule, but you will be learning. And if you're interested in a career in IT, there's no better way to do this. They've just, I'm really proud of these guys. Uh, uh, Tim and Don have just taken off with IT Pro TV. It's really become the place to learn. If you want a career in IT or you have a career and you want to kind of up your skills, or if you have a team, an IT team, and you want to keep them upskilled, there's nowhere better than IT Pro TV. Go to itpro.tv slash twit. Uh, if you're a consumer and you're looking for a consumer subscription, we got a great offer, 30% off. For as long as you stay active, just use the code twit30, itpro.tv slash twit. Offer code is twit30 for 30% off your Subscription as long as you stay active. IT Pro TV. Build or expand your IT career and enjoy the journey at IT Pro TV. ITPro.tv slash twit. Offer code twit30. Thank you, IT Pro TV. I do want to give some credit to Elon because SpaceX is doing something this week that's pretty cool. Uh, the first all-civilian mission to orbit. If it's uh, it's scheduled to launch, inspiration for this Wednesday... 
And what's cool about this, this is the uh, Crew Dragon that uh, Elon's used already to send astronauts to the space station. But what's cool about this one is kind of, it's for charity. The, uh, the uh, person who bought this for millions of dollars, Jared Isaacman, is um, a founder of a, of a payment system, has made lots of money so he can afford to uh, buy this trip. He's also an avid pilot. In fact, uh, at one point I was told that he owns something like 40 uh, fighter jets and has Whoa. kind of like a fighter jet <laughs> air show that he that he finances. He's kind of an amazing guy. 6,000 hours uh, in the air. He's an accomplished jet pilot, uh, ready to fly military world, world, world aircraft. But he's also a private citizen. So he'll be, uh, Jared Isaacman will be uh, going up. He bought the mission and then they invited others uh, to go on with them, including uh, this medical assistant. She's She won a contest, Haley Arsenault. Uh, when she was 10 years old, uh, she found out she suffered from a, a rare form of cancer, osteosarcoma. Uh, and she was treated at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. She uh, had a prosthetic uh, femur put in and chemotherapy. She's fine. She's great. She uh, she has a, her physician assistant's degree, and she works at St. Jude, which is cool. She will be going up when they called her. There's a documentary on Netflix, which I have to, have to watch because they show all of the passengers being called and told they get to go on. They won. And uh, she said, are we going to the moon? No. Just to, just to orbit for three days. But still, real orbit. Uh, Chris Sambrowski, who is uh, a um, space advocate, served in the Air Force, maintained the Minuteman intercontinental ballistic missiles before leaving for active duty uh, in uh, Iraq. Um, he is also uh, has a BS in aeronautics, and so he'll be going up. He, <laughs> when you look at the crew, I feel like he's the red shirt guy. Like, don't go on a. a if, <laughs> <laughs> he would be the guy who would say, "No, I'm not going to go down on the on the planetary uh, land, landing mission." They won't be doing that, I don't believe. And then Dr. Sean Proctor, Sean is a geoscientist, uh, wanted to be an astronaut, uh, has followed this for a long time. So she's going to go up. She's also black, which is great, and she's in her fifties, which is also great. So uh, this is a really interesting crew now that's inspiring right now it's not like elon's yeah. paying for it they're, they're raising money for saint jude um i'll be watching on wednesday this is exciting anything to say yeah, about I, it, right? I, mean, I think that's beautiful. I, I, I just wish we could i just wish we could do that and also repair our bridges yeah let's do that <laughs> and, yeah I wish, I wish we could do i wish yeah. we could do things like this which really is beautiful and i wish we could also repair our infrastructure what's cool is 100 these are both uh, brianna i know you're a fan of used cars these are used rockets yeah Bo both the capsule and the booster have uh, already been used but uh, this is one of the things spacex does so well is recover these refurbish them and send them out again yeah well i went down to nasa last time they were showing us the uh the pad where you know the challenger exploded and you know tesla wow. was going to buy it so uh i imagine they're using that for part of these missions these days yeah it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty exciting stuff. I am. Um, I will be watching 
I think it's fairly inspirational. I'll be watching with interest. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 Whenever I go down to Florida, because my husband and I, we, we vacation down there because Boston is so cold over the winter. It's miserable here. So we escape down to Florida. But I always love going. Like NASA is just every bit of that. Like you, I, I feel like today you look at our government and our systems, you're like, everything is so dysfunctional and you're reading and you're, you're there and you're living a moment where we came together and worked towards a really big goal in like landing on the moon. And it's just so, it, it, it's, it gives you something to aim for. Right. Yeah, so I, I think, I think space flight has a, a huge psychological value that we, we often discount. Yeah, Brianna, I'm glad you brought that up because as you were saying that, I was literally just thinking about the moments in the past year when, you know, obviously this has been a really difficult like year and a half for many, many people around the world. And yeah, watching spaceflight on TV, watching the SpaceX mission recently, like was one of the few times where I feel like I was excited watching the news and there was just a general like feeling of enthusiasm and optimism, uh, you know, around the news cycle that day. And that's something that I feel like you, you know, rarely get today, especially in the past year and a half, though. So I'm totally with you on that. And we could fix the bridges together. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, also that. Yeah, we could do it all. Um, Yeah. Um, Don't uh, bring your iPhone on a high powered motorcycle. Oh, man, there goes my plan. Too late. Too late. late. Turns out the vibrations can uh, harm the iPhone cameras. Apple published a support document warning iPhone users. uh, The vibrations could shake loose the uh, optical image stabilization gyroscope and, uh, you know, bad things. So, Mm yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah, hard it's when just... you're riding a bike to to like use do do it through the gloves because if you're wearing proper armor, it's not gonna like iPhone won't register. It's actually hard to find your way places because you've got we all get around with Apple Maps. So if you're on bike, it's terrible. You probably shouldn't bring it on rocket launches either. I would imagine that's a similar <laughs> problem. Probably not. Yeah, uh, and apparently there are vibration dam- dampening mounts that you can get. So maybe that's mm-hmm. that's the key. Mm. To protect your autofocus system. Uh, let's see. What else? I'm trying to do good stuff, happy stuff, positive stuff. Amazon. I tell you about something I absolutely Please. love. Can yes. I plug something? Plug something. My favorite thing yes. ever. So, Leo, a new game came out. We have been waiting for a good aliens game for a long time, and Aliens Fire Team came out oh, yeah. uh, i think it was about two weeks ago i am so beyond addicted to this game it is yeah I've, so it's i've a, been enjoying this yeah. too oh wow we should we should friend each other and play are you on so, ps5 by chance yeah I'm on, I'm on ps5 yeah i'll play with you oh then. my god we're gonna talk after the show um yeah. no it's a it's a co-op three-person game so you have to work really 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 closely with other players the problem with online games is you're like shooting each other and killing each other here you have to really closely cooperate to survive and really know your roles and it's a hundred percent loyal to the guns and the atmosphere of the universe it is such an adrenaline rush i love this game uh, and it's only 40 40 dollars too nice yeah Yeah. nice sam mashkovich said finally Co-op action worthy of the franchise. So, can I play Ridley or who? Who? What? How's this? No, nope. 
You create your own custom uh, colonial marine and we'll have to play as him or her. It's uh, first but- person? No, it's third person, third over person. the shoulder, like Resident Evil. Okay, but but you can have two real life friends in there with you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And if, and if you don't have friends, they replace you with the uh, the white uh, android, the, the what alpha they and beta. The, yeah, alpha and beta. Can yeah. you can you play co op or is it just online only or like local uh, multiplayer? Or is it just unfortunately online? not? I'd love to. Yeah, Lisa, my, my wife, yeah. Lisa, and your <laughs> husband Frank have been saying. We want to just sit on the couch and play a game together. Yeah. Those yes, games are exactly. gone. Those old, those <laughs> traditional couch co-op games. The last one was Goldeneye or something. I mean, it's been a long time. Yes. It's far yeah. too rare. Yeah, I don't get. I it. guess the mm-hmm. I guess those uh, go kart Mario Kart and stuff you can do that with. Wasn't right? there one that mm-hmm. came out a couple of years ago? I feel bad. I think I actually bought it and then I just somehow never got around to playing it. Uh, I think a way out maybe might be what it's called, but that's like a, a couch multiplayer game. Um, but I, I haven't gotten around to playing it, but I always look for games. My husband and I like to play games like that together and yeah. we're always looking for new stuff to try. Yeah. Um, so hopefully one day. Well, this looks Overcooked pretty much is like that and moving out is like that. So two, I mean, it's a very cartoonish game. So you're trying to go into rooms of an apartment and two people are in two different sticks. And you're like trying to move a couch out. Oh, I hate games the like house. that. That's frustrating. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, you can call it divorce It's too much mode. like real life. Yeah. I don't know. Uh-uh, not going to do it. I'd rather kill an alien. This oh looks very uh, dark, like you're, you know, dark, scary stuff. Oh, but it's it's an adrenaline Ooh. rush. It just never lets up the Are pressure. Are there jump scares? Are they going to jump out at you? Yes. Yeah, there's yes. some jumps. And it, it really captures everything <laughs> from the films really well, down to, like, the sound of that machine gun. You oh, know, they've really done, they've done a nice job. Oh, I pretty God. much only play, I only play co-op now for some reason. I, at some point, I just got tired of online PvP stuff, and I mostly just look mm-hmm. for co-op games. Same. So the difference is instead of shooting at Brianna, you'll be shooting with Brianna at it. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. In fact, that. if you accidentally shoot me, I will die and we will fail our mission oh. because you're not playing Yikes. well. They have friendly fire. <laughs> oh, that's yep. bad. Yeah. Well, the base level, there's no friendly fire. So okay. as you get better, yeah. you pretty much level up your character. And uh, as the higher okay. levels come in, then then you start implementing harder harder scenarios where you can actually hurt your team. Do you have to have a PS5 for this? Nope, PS4, I think it's on Xbox, yeah. PC, yep, oh, okay. everything. But you can only play other PS5 people if you're a PS5. Is that I right? I think or? PS4 people can play with PS5 okay. people. Cross-platform's hard, isn't it? Yeah, it really yeah, is. They, yeah, yeah. This looks fun. Well, I don't have a PS5, so you guys have fun. I'll just be over here <laughs> on my Xbox, my old <laughs> Xbox. Can't get. I couldn't get either of those. They're all, talk about chip Really? Shortage. Yeah, how'd you get a PS5? Uh, Christina can get literally anything. Christina Warren is like the queen of it. She said, oh, Leo, you should have called me. I could get you one. Yeah. What is she? Is she some sort of black market I don't know if it's mob connections (laughs) or what, but she got me an RTX 3090. She got me a PS5. She got me an Xbox Series X. So Christina's a good friend to have around, Leo. You should... (laughs) Christina, of course, is uh, b- co-host with Brianna Wu and Simone de Rochefort of Rocket, which is a great show on Relay FM. And congratulations to Relay FM. They have now raised, is it a, a, a million dollars? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's over a million, I think. Over so, a million dollars yeah. for which charity? 
St. Jude. St. Jude. You yep. guys like St. Jude too. We do. Nice. Yeah, of course. Uh, Steve, our co-founder, he had a child that nearly died of cancer and St. Jude literally saved his life. So he feels rather indebted to nice. helping them. So really believe cool. it or not, I'm probably going to be playing Aliens Fire Team with Micah uh, for the uh, fundraiser that we're doing towards the end of the month. Oh. So you can watch Micah either die or live. I don't know which one. Micah Sargent, go. uh, love the guy. Yes. Of course, he's our host of uh, iOS Today yep. and Tech News Weekly. And, you know, works with me. He'll be on the uh, Apple event on Tuesday. But it doesn't strike me as like a great gamer. <laughs> like the guy you'd want to go into an alien cave, infested cave with, so, sort of. But maybe. You know, I'm Burke wrong. survived. Maybe Micah will. Oh, I don't know. We'll okay. have to see what happens. Okay. I'll be watching that one. That sounds like fun. <laughs> That sounds awesome. All right, Amazon. <sighs> Lots to talk about. By the way, Amazon really being pissy about SpaceX. They uh, they tell the FCC that, uh, well, let me just read the quote from this, this uh, FCC filing, because they don't want Starlink to launch all these uh, uh, satellites. Quote, whether it's launching satellites with unlicensed antennas, launching rockets without approval, building an unapproved launch tower, or reopening a factory in violation of a shelter-in-place order, the conduct of SpaceX and other Musk-led companies makes their view plain. Rules are for other people, and those who insist upon or even simply request compliance are deserving of derision and ad hominem attacks. Wow. Yeah. The, yeah. The fighting between oh, all of yeah. them has been pretty funny. <laughs> Viasat has also been engaged in those filings where they just cut it. Yeah. They didn't want the satellites. But then, but also, then it's Amazon seems to be like they're suing Microsoft. Uh, you know, they were mad about the Jedi contract. And then there's this NSA contract. It seems like if you can't compete, go to court. Yep. Yep. <sighs> all right. Amazon, by the way, won the NSA contract. So maybe my, I think it's Microsoft suing them. So it goes, what goes around comes around. It's both, both sides of the matter. Uh, why are top streamers leaving Twitch? Is the Washington Post right about this? They, they lost, oh my God, Dr. Lupo and Tim <laughs> the Tatman Batar. Oh no. Okay, that's not. I, much I'm of a not story. a Tim the Tap Man. I'm fan. sorry. No, there's a there is a story here. I mean, Twit, uh, Twitch is not paying their their really big people as much as they used to. Hey, so, this killed uh, Microsoft's uh, Mixer. Mm-hmm. Be careful. Absolutely. Be careful. Uh, they're going back to YouTube, huh? They are. They are. YouTube is backing up trucks of money and handing it to them. And, you know, I realize like maybe y'all don't watch as much Twitch as I do, but this is the AM equivalent of the Zoomer generation. I mean, you've got some of the talk political shows, top uh, political shows are on there, like Hassan. Um, like this matters. So We're on Twitch. Yep. We're on Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was playing Valheim, I streamed it on Twitch. Actually, my experience with streaming on YouTube didn't seem like it was mm-hmm. as good as, as streaming on Twitch. I thought Twitch did a better job of quality and so forth. But mm-hmm. I may be wrong. I don't know. I don't. I'm a. I'm a tyro at all this. It was fun <laughs> though. I liked it. I'll probably be going back good. on my uh, Twitch stream. Twitch.tv/slash/clubtwit. With my Valheim primetime stream, because we're getting an update to Valheim on the 16th, 
the but it's you know what it's going to be it's going to be so depressing because it's mostly co- new cooking items. <laughs> I'm going to do a Valheim cooking show. It's not it's not okay. It's not aliens. I'm just saying it's Vikings and kind of stuff. Uh, let's see. Amazon is getting in the TV business. Not clear who's making these TVs for them, but uh, these are very inexpensive. Really kind of, I mean, let's be honest, low-end uh, TVs. The Amazon Fire TV Omni Series. Uh, that's the expensive one in the value-priced 4 Series. Lots uh, of money to be made on data collection. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the yeah. case? I actually, the thing that amazes me is I just, I, I went shopping for a TV and I just wanted a dumb TV that didn't have any of the smart internals and literally it mm-hmm. doesn't exist. No, you like, can't you get can't, them. You can't, yeah. you can't buy a yeah, TV that's just like a dumb t- monitor. Yeah. If you did, it would be so expensive. Sorry, yeah. Lisa. Oh, I was going to say also, I feel like in general, like not from a privacy standpoint, but just in terms of usability, I feel like it's much easier to use a Roku or an add on any kind of device that you add on to a TV rather than the built in software anyway. Um, it's yeah. just usually yeah. not a good experience and it's slow and it's not as easily upgradable. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I was very anti smart TVs for a long time, I am, but I, am 100% I feel like it's hard. <laughs> but the, and it's I think, impossible to fight against it. No, it really all you exactly. have to do is just not connect the TV to the internet. You're going to get all that yep. smart stuff, but just whatever you do, don't connect it to the internet because it's spying on you like crazy. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then there's some TVs. For my Wi-Fi all the time, and I just will not give it to it because right. I, I don't need anyone well, that's knowing the how much yeah. 24 I watch. My high know? sense keeps saying, <laughs> "Not connected to the internet." What we're not? There's some, what's the matter with you? <laughs> there's some TVs. If you disable the internet functionality, it, you actually lose some other functionality. Like if you tell it you don't want to be tracked. I forget which TV it was, but there was a story a couple of years yeah. ago that if you yeah. opted out of, or if you tried to turn off the internet connection, then like other important parts of the television just wouldn't work anymore. This is a so larger we, story. Geez. I think that uh, a lot of apps, a lot of products, are subsidized by spying on you. And so we are demanding lower cost TVs, for instance. These are very inexpensive TVs. But the price you pay is that uh, they're making up the difference by spying on you. Yeah. How, it's I mean, like and, very and, Black Mirror-ish, like yeah. that whole example. I, I forgot what company it was, but I feel like I, I remember what you're talking about, um, Carl, with the with the TV that had some of its functionality turned off if you turn off the, yeah. the tracking aspect. And yeah, yeah or, doesn't it kind of sound like Black Mirror? Like, wasn't there literally an episode where like they like forced you to watch ads or something yeah. like that or else yeah. your screen wouldn't work? I don't remember. But it sound, if and it also, doesn't exist, it sounds like it probably would <laughs> also when when consumer reports reviews these tvs often they're not very secure either like there was that there that uh scandal about samsung collecting like microphone audio data and then not encrypting it at all and storing it just openly somewhere you know so oh, that's these nice. companies co- these companies collect that data which is you know it's how people make money but at least secure your stuff which yeah. they don't really yeah. do that either so yeah. there has to be some kind of improvement there <laughs> I feel like this is a hard story because on one hand, I really want the TV industry dis- disrupted. It is such, I don't know if y'all have bought a TV recently, but it is it is a nightmare of trying to figure it out. I mean, all the different sizes, oh, yeah. just even if you know you want a Samsung and you know the number one feature you want is low latency for gaming, like you're going through SKUs and trying to figure out is it this year's model or last year's model. Like the whole thing is just, it, it feels like a broken industry 
industry. So I like Amazon getting into it, but they're the worst people to like do something <laughs> like this. So yeah. and not to mention it's, all the jargon too. Like mm-hmm. the, the TV industry, I feel like is infamous more so than other aspects of the tech industry for throwing in buzzwords that's that are literally just marketing terms that don't mean anything. And that makes it even harder to buy something. Like I think every company has has their own like marketing term for like the type of display panel that it is. And like, if you're trying mm-hmm. to buy something, it's super confusing. It's awful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good luck. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure convinced Samsung chose QLED for its LCD TVs because it sounds like OLED. Right. And uh, people will, maybe they'll mistake it. The, I should mention that the value TV uh, shootout, Value Electronics does this every year where they bring in the top TVs, usually just a handful of them, uh, and then uh, bring in experts to review them. That's this week. If actually, it's going on today. It's today and tomorrow. So at some point... Now, the problem is this doesn't cover the whole waterfront. On the 4K TVs, there are only four because they don't. They just kind of rule out anybody who's not going to be like the Amazon TV. That's not going to be in, in, in the running. This year, they'll they'll look at a Hisense. They have a new technology called dual-cell LCDs, the LG OLED, the Samsung OLED, and a Sony OLED. And then they're also going to look at 8K TVs. It's the first time they've done that. And they'll be LG, Samsung, and Sony. And then so they get all these experts in a room uh, looking at the same TV with the same content. They're pre-calibrated and then voting on what they call the king of TVs. This is something every year I pay attention to. Yeah, I went with the LG, I think it was the LG CX. It was like the year-old model. It's just beautiful. Just just really beautiful for gaming. Yep. Yeah, really, really I don't use it for gaming. I just watch TV on it. I use it for gaming. Oh, because you have a PS5, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It does HDR. It does, yeah. It's 30 frames per second. Is it 120 frames per second? Can you go up to that? Uh, I think it's up to 60, but it's 120 hertz, right? I think that's the the real big improvement for gaming. What's the distinction? Now it's beyond my patience. I thought that was... That were the same thing. So the PS5 will either do 4K or 120 <laughs> frames per second. Although that's, I think, a limitation of the games. It may, that may change in time. I, 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 this, I get confused. By the reason I know this, I, got, I feel guilty because we did get a PS5 for Michael, our 18-year-old. Uh, and I, got, I said, oh, no, you need, a, you need a 4K TV. But I got him a 60 hertz. <laughs> and I feel I feel guilty, so I have to explain to him. Oh, Michael, don't worry, because you can't do both for. But I'm really what I should have done is get 120 hertz. I was just stupid. So I've been going the other way and trying to find a really good CRT for speed run. What I've been obsessed Why? with finding. So the thing with the CRT is there's zero lag. You can have the best uh, 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 HDMI component to HDMI converters in the entire world. The FrameMeister RetroTink makes a great one, but you're still introducing one to two frames of lag in there. For you to do the Princess Peach Vine Jump, uh, it's a a three-frame window. So that lag really, really matters. So serious speedrunners for vintage games like me, we are constantly looking for uh, old CRTs to bring in and like love. So you know, I don't want like, I want a PVM from like a radio station. That's the holy grail is finding like that professional video monitor. And I actually have hardware that will hook up the analog is the, uh, it's a it's a modern Super Nintendo slash Nintendo 
Nintendo slash Sega, they have all these different models of it, but it's re-engineered for HDMI. And they released a product that will reverse engineer their modern SNES and make it run on an, a CRT. So now that I finally got one of those, I desperately need to find this. Are You are still the eighth fastest Princess I think I've been Peach bumped to ninth. Oh, I've, I've been I've been bumped to ninth, but that's because I'm working on other games. <laughs> if we hadn't already done this on a recent twit, I would go through the whole thing. No, please don't, please don't. <laughs> I just think it's hysterical. And, and I was searching for this, and I found out you're tweeting. How come I can't get a vaccine? I am the eighth fastest <laughs> Princess Peach world. Mario Two speedrunner. How do I get the vaccine, huh? Yeah, we got to protect our most important assets in civilization. (laughs) In case something happens, we should put you in the Svalbard Speed Vault. No, it's a seed vault, but we could call it the Speedrunner Vault and put you all in there. (laughs) It's for seeds, but, you know. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I don't cover Facebook stories very much anymore because I'm not on it, but I guess we should do a couple of Facebook stories. We're going to take a break. We will do that in a moment. Speedrunner, Princess Peach, <laughs> three frame vine jump yes. expert, Brianna yes. Wu is with us. <laughs> She's also the executive director of Rebellion Pack at rebellionpack.com. So nice to see you. I hope things go well in the Guardian Angels. Uh, also, is <laughs> Carl Bodie uh, from uh, all over Motherboard and uh, Tech Dirt and uh, great tech reporters. Wonderful to have you on. Your first time on Twit, and already it just it feels like you've been here forever. I'm glad, thrilled to have you. Thank you. And Thank you. Uh, also from CNET, senior uh, editor at CNET, Lisa Edichico. It's nice to see you again, too. Yeah, it's great to be here. Finally again. got you back on. <laughs> Our show today brought to you by, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm very well rested today, Uh, my Casper. I slept like a champ last night. Casper, uh, there it is, my Casper mattress. We have so many of these. (laughs) The kids um, have them. uh, Relatives have them. We just keep buying Casper mattresses. It's actually, it's an affordable and nice gift because you'll love your tomorrow with Casper, the new Casper cooling collection. Oh, man, has everything you need to sleep cool all night long, winter or summer. You really want to sleep cool, but especially during these hot summer nights, having the Casper cooling collection is just a boon. The new mattresses with the snow technology, they call it the Wave Hybrid Snow Mattress, keeps you cool for 12-plus hours. Actually, literally pulls heat away from your body for sustained temperature regulation. You don't feel cold, you feel comfortable. And there's that nice, fresh, cool-to-the-touch feeling. And, of course, your tomorrows are much improved. Better bedding, also important. That's why Casper's hyper-light sheets are designed with an innovative grid weave. (laughs) You can see how cool I am right now. That lets the air flow through for maximum breathability. The lightweight duvet gives you optimal temperature control without sacrificing plush comfort. And, of course, Casper's breathable mattress protector improves the coolness of the bed even further by allowing air to flow between your body and your mattress. There's nothing like it. It's that feeling, that feeling when you first put your feet down in the in the sheets and they feel so cool and fresh. And Or maybe when you're, you flip your pillow over and it's nice and cool. Oh, that's the feeling. You'll just go, ah, oh, ooh, it's so good. And as always, Casper offers free shipping and free 
returns. We love our Caspers. When it comes to a better night's sleep, Casper's new cooling collection has you covered. Focus on tomorrow. Let Casper handle the rest. Explore Casper products, mattresses, sheets, pillows, and more. We have that glow lamp, too. I love that. At Casper.com slash twit1. C-A-S-P-E-R. Not like the ghost. C-S-P-E-R dot com slash twit1. Offer code is twit1 for $100 off select mattresses. That's offer code twit1 for $100 off select mattresses. Exclusions apply. See casper.com for more details. Thank you, Casper, for a good night's sleep. And uh, thank you, dear twit listener, for using that special address so they know you saw it here. Casper.com slash twit1. Do we have the teaser, the trailer, talking about what a great week this was? Watch. Roomba in well, certain models of Roomba will now dodge pet poo so it doesn't spread it all over your floor. Sorry, just thinking about the ML engineer who had to program the data set for like is poo, is not poo, is poo, is not poo. Previously on Twit. This week in Enterprise Tech. Apple is rolling out the ability to add driver's licenses and say they used to the wallet app. By going to a phone, the, the Apple wallet in this case, what is passed is typically a one-time use token. Even if it's intercepted, even if it's captured, it's useless. Hands-on photography. Tyra picked me out of Instagram. And she explained that I was the first for the magazine. And basically, I deserve to be on Vogue. I deserve all the other, uh, you know, great magazines, fashion magazines. Tell it! This Week in Google. Whole Foods is going to be getting the Amazon Just Walk Out technology. One of my wife and I are both shopping. Not that that happens because she thinks I'm a disaster at a grocery store, but just theoretically. I'm a disaster. I'm not allowed to go to the grocery store. What do you guys do? There's a similar rule in place here in the Korea. You two, all three of you? (laughs) Why isn't the ketchup next to the tomatoes? It's not logical. I can't ever find it. Ketchup does not belong. Okay, Jeff, your reason is silly. (laughs) Twit. Oh, that's cringy. <laughs> Ketchup's a condiment. Tomatoes are a vegetable. That's obvious. I don't understand it. We also had a great uh, event in Club Twit this week. The first uh, Ask Me Anything, um, our community manager and host of Hands-On Photography, Aunt Pruitt, uh, hosted a uh, Ask Me Anything with Micah Sargent. was great, fascinating, wonderful. We love Micah. Uh, if you are a Club Twit member, that'll be on your Twit Plus feed. If you're not a club member... Well, get on in there. It's seven bucks a month. You get ad-free versions of all of our shows. Uh, you also get access to the fabulous Club Twit Discord. I see, Brianna, you're in there having some I fun am. with I the am. people talking about speed running. Uh, you also get access to our Twit Plus feed, which is, uh, there's a lot of conversations that happen outside the shows as we are getting set up. There's stuff off the air. There's our Ask Me Anything stuff. So uh, that's on the Twit Plus feed. All of that, seven bucks a month. For more information, go to uh, twit.tv slash club twit. Actually, what you're really doing is supporting uh, what we're doing. Uh, and I appreciate it. It really, it really makes a, a big difference for us. And we're very grateful for this. Now, I think... Almost 4,000 Club Twit members. That's really nice to have you. We appreciate it. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. You don't have to be a member of Club Twit to go to Alaska with us. We are, we are still on for Alaska in July. You're all invited. Uh, 
twit.tv will be going on the Holland America Eurodam uh, July of 2022. And I've been just looking at all one of the excursions I really want to go on. And we invite, you know, everybody who goes on should come with us on the excursions. Paul Therott will be there too, by the way, and his wife, along with Lisa and uh, my wife, Lisa, and uh, me. We're going to go there. You get to, you take a helicopter to a glacier where you will be met by a dog team and you get to mush a dog team across the glacier. <laughs> Can't, I mean, look, if the world's going to melt, at least I'm going to do this first. So that's all <laughs> I'm just saying. If you want to, if you want to, last chance, see a glacier, kids, go to cruise.twit.com. TV and uh, that's all the plugs for the. For I did. The, I did one of those trips not long ago. It's really beautiful. Oh, just it's, it's so beautiful up there. I actually have. I actually, there. I took one of those puddled, one of those small little pontoon planes, which I know oh, are not wow. the safest thing in the world. But they flew you out over amazing mountains in the middle of nowhere and landed you on a crystal clear lake, <sighs> and you got out and just stood on the pontoon edge of the boat and, and looked out at the clear, perfect well, water. I, you know, I suppose I we shouldn't. We should just stay home. And not drive our cars and not cook with gas and just like eat raw vegetables that we grow ourselves. But I feel like there's so much stuff to see and I don't want to ruin it by going to see it. I don't know what to do. We we buy carbon offsets uh, for all of our uh, trips, in fact, for, uh, for the business as well. I don't know. Maybe is that just a s- salve to my conscience? I hope it's doing some good. No, I think I think it matters. I think that real action on climate change has to come from the top. So, you know, I we, think we can admit that no individual can solve or just, you know, or blow up this whole situation. I probably shouldn't take a helicopter to a glacier, though. <laughs> Maybe cancel it's, that. Probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> it's it's so beautiful up there. It's it's it's, I want, it's really. This is, I'm really conflicted because I love to travel. I want to see it. I don't want to be part of the problem. I mean, we do, you know, we have solar panels all over our roof. We generate as much of our power as we can. We're getting rid of all the liquid, you know, LPG and the natural gas uh, stuff in our house. and Drive electric vehicles. But you're right. I mean, how much can you do? Especially when Brianna's driving her polluting Porsches all over the place. Yes, right? yes. So nothing I can do about that. <laughs> <laughs> you're You're with me. I'm sure you care a lot and you want to save the planet. But... I, 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 it's, it's, I feel guilty about it. You know, I really feel, I, I feel envious that my dad's generation could go out and do things like buy a V8 car, like a V8 Corvette. Yeah, but and it's drive because it and they did. Stress it. I know. We're, <laughs> well, to a point, I, I think that like manufacturing emissions play a much larger role in that. You know, airlines play a huge role. I mean, it's the leadership on this. There's a lot of stuff, but everybody should do their part as best we can. Oh, well, Facebook. Let's talk about Facebook. So much more cheerful. Sent flawed data to misinformation readers, (laughs) which on the fate researchers, which on the face of it seems like if you're going to send information to misinformation researchers, it should be misinformation. But that's not how it works. More than three years ago. uh, Facebook trumpeted a plan to share data with researchers about how People interact with posts and links on the social network after a lot of criticism uh, so that academics could study misinformation and help Facebook handle it. They've been using that data for two years for many studies. Turns out, according to internal emails and interviews with the researchers, the data included interactions with only half of Facebook's 
U.S. users. The ones who engage with political pages enough to make their political leanings clear. Not all of them, even though the company said it was all of them. Um, and so researchers are saying things like this undermines the trust we have in Facebook. And you had trust in Facebook? I was just going to say, what trust? <laughs> Tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, Facebook says, we sincerely apologize <laughs> for the that's, by the way, of course they do. For the inconvenience this may have caused, we'd like to offer as much support as possible. At least they're sincere, you know. <laughs> they're sincerely right. apologizing. Yeah. This time we mean it. Uh, 47 <laughs> different projects, researchers, all of whom basically were told, yeah, the data you got, that wasn't, it wasn't good data. So anyway, welcome to the club. Uh, Twitter's been trying a lot of interesting things lately. Um, yeah, I still don't understand how communities work. I saw you talking about that on one of your other shows, yeah. and whether whether they're trying to like uh, shovel the Reddit model into an, an app that really yeah, built Reddit or Facebook I, groups or Google Circles or yeah, you know, there are a lot of examples, and this never seemed like that was what Twitter was about. But like, I'm all for anything that kind of narrows the audience down because you always have those collisions between Aunt Bertha and your punk rock friend from college, and you know, in places like Facebook, and any anything that allows me to narrow down the people I'm talking to and allow for better conversation is good. But I just don't know if Twitter is maybe the right. It, it's so crazy though. Like Twitter, the things people want from Twitter are so darn like straightforward. Editable tweets. Yeah. Responding please. to harassment reports. Please. Maybe yeah, doing yeah. something about No, but them. we got this for you. If you're into dogs, yeah. weather, sneakers, skincare, astrology, we've got a group for you. Right. It's it's crazy. Like, do something about the, the randos with eight digits after their name. Yeah. I've never had a good conversation on no. Twitter with someone with eight numbers after their name ever. <laughs> That's actually like, like it should yeah. be able. We should be able to write a regular expression that filters them out. Yeah. Seems simple. <laughs> uh, so, well, communities, they, they are trying a little bit to give you more control over who you hear from um you can have you could there is a there's something they're trying uh they call it a soft block feature you can remove a follower without unfollowing them um so kind of like muting them or is that similar to muting someone if you're removing them yeah following them i guess so no People who are following you, let's say you've got somebody with eight digits after his name. Actually, in their example, Twitter only has three digits after his name. But anyway, uh, so apparently they're aware of this issue. You can, and I think you can do this right now. It's certainly on my timeline you can. You have to use the official Twitter uh, app, or not app, but uh, web page. You can click the three buttons on the right and say, remove this person from your followers. That person will not be notified, and they can refollow you later. But for a little while, until they notice it, you won't show up in their timeline. It's, mm. it's called a soft block, I guess. Uh, yeah, these seem they like... Find out, they find out eventually? They, yeah. They eventually they say, the I am not seeing Leo's tweets anymore. Let me see what happened. Oh, I guess I unfollowed him by accident. Refollow him. Oh, I see. Yeah. There's also a trick you can do with Twitter. I don't know if it still works. If you block somebody and then immediately unblock them, it will cause them to no longer follow you. That's a soft block. That. Yes, that's the same thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I guess so they're just basically putting that into Oh, yeah, people seem to like that. Form. So let's put it in. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, you know, I got to, why do you, I ask, I ask my wife this all the time. Why are you on Twitter? Why don't you just leave it? It's, it's great. I mean, I get a lot of career connections from there. You know, you get to ask your fellow uh, Twitch, Twit hosts uh, when they want to play Aliens versus uh, okay. Aliens Fireteam okay. with you, which I just did. Um, okay. You know, I mean, like f- it's, it's got a lot of career value, I think. And the flow of information on there is so, so quick. You know, if you're a journalist or a reporter mm-hmm. on, a, on a beat, the data you see on there is going to be there, you know, hours before it shows up in any news outlet. So well, I that I understand. Better. If somebody dies, I immediately go to, or if I've heard that somebody's dead, I immediately go to Twitter. Because they, well, they like Rihanna, I also, I also, most of my connections have come through Twitter. You know, most of the yep. people that I've worked with, most of my freelance work has come through Twitter and talking to people on Twitter and All forging right. connections. But that's, but that's kind of what we think about Twitter is that the journalists love it. Yeah, if I wasn't no. a journalist, I think I, I would be getting offline a lot more. I would not be on most of <laughs> these social media platforms. I'd be out, you know, working in a, a, pe- a pet sanctuary somewhere. Because <laughs> it's, it's, That's it's every very, tech journalist's dream is to leave social media and work in a pet sanctuary. It's very punishing. I mean, just just even if you're not registering the headlines you're seeing, you know, and the conversations you're seeing, and, and it's it's I find it very oppressive. And I've had to really work with distancing myself from it yes. more reasonably but all but still maintaining connections to people i work with and the beat that i cover so i'm not losing track of the information stream and it's a hard balance yeah. and there's no real it is a really hard balance well. it's yeah. terrible but we love I, tiktok my, but we love tiktok yeah. right uh, yeah. i think i'm too old for tiktok, TikTok no, I was just gonna say tiktok now has overtaken youtube for uh, the average watch time wow so basically, uh, App Annie says TikTok has upended the streaming and social landscape because YouTube has so many users. It still has the is number one for overall time spent, but for average time, users in the UK and the US spend more time on TikTok than on YouTube. I really like it. I mean, I didn't really understand Snapchat. I didn't really get into a lot of apps, but I, I like TikTok. There's yeah, Carl, I'm there with you as well. I uh, I feel like I never really got that into Snapchat, but I don't know. TikTok's algorithm is just really good. Like as much as I yeah. hate to admit it, yeah. I give them barely any information about my interests or myself or what I like. But uh, yeah, it's like a rabbit hole. I don't know. Like I just, I, that stat does not surprise me because I, I don't go on TikTok very often, but when I do, I feel like I could just scroll like forever, basically. Yeah, like yeah. that most interesting man in the world. I don't go to TikTok very often, <laughs> but when I do, <laughs> no, honestly, I, I don't because I feel like it, it's a it is a little addicting. But also, I feel like yeah, you can't when stop. I just want something to like compulsively scroll. It's I feel compulsive. like it's not always a video. I'll, I'll kind of go to Twitter for yeah. that. Uh, otherwise, I do try like to what Carl was saying. I do try to distance myself and be more conscious about it because if i don't try to kind of cut down on the screen time or not compulsively reach for my phone to check something it's just out of control i think twitter is for doom scrolling yes that's true (laughs) tiktok is just pure dopamine it's just yes exactly yeah Yeah. it's all very positive like when, when i'm you know in a rabbit hole on tiktok it's because i'm looking at really cute pet videos or right. like something that makes me feel happy not you know 
all of the horrible things that are happening out there in the world. Also, I think I think you all are being a little too hard. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've uh, just yesterday, like someone's like, hey, look at this Atlantic article that never would have clicked on in a million years. You read it, it's deeply substantive. I mean, sometimes you just got to follow the right people. I'm on car Twitter which is completely different than political Twitter. Cause it's just like, look at this cool thing that this person's doing. Look at the great ride. Look at this car that's coming out. I mean, it's, you just got to change your people, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's what everybody always tells me is, Oh, you're just not following the right people. But I don't know. <laughs> the only reason I still have a Twitter account is because my wife says you have to retweet this. I said, okay, fine. So <laughs> every time I do, invariably, somebody will say, oh, are you back on Twitter? No, <laughs> I am not. Uh, to show you how successful TikTok is, Amazon has announced that not only in their TVs, but Amazon Fire TV sticks and other devices will now have a TikTok channel. So you get your TikTok on your big screen. I don't feel like this is a good trend. I feel like this is, this is encouraging short attention spans. But, I don't know if people want to watch TikTok on a bigger screen either, no, right? It belongs like, on I don't a know. little vertical thing, yeah. Right. Uh, what do Florida, Texas, and Brazil have in common? All three have passed laws banning social networks from removing posts from uh, politicians. Hmm. Uh, Texas governor just signed the bill, uh, Governor Abbott, prohibiting social media giants from blocking users based on viewpoint. I mentioned earlier, I think that the uh, Florida uh, law has been paused by uh, the courts. Maybe the same thing will happen uh, in Texas. I'm thinking Bolsonaro probably doesn't have to worry about that so much. Um, this is uh, they don't have a they don't have a First Amendment, though. See, that's the difference. In the, in the U.S., right. it's illegal for government to restrain or 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 do anything about speech. Not that they don't, but it's illegal. It's, it's anti-unconstitutional. I don't think Brazil has the same kind of protections. Um, he's also up for election next year, which might have something to do with it. Yeah. Let's see what else here. Kind of down to the down to the the bottom of the barrel. Always some of the most exciting stuff down here. <laughs> Did you see Facebook's uh, finally made the smart glasses not look ridiculous? Oh, but they're just with their, like the with Snapchat their, with their, spectacles. Yeah, yeah. And then they tried to smart glasses. They tried to claim that if you put tape over the light that indicates you're recording, that you're violating their terms of service. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> oh, please. I did. I yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. They don't. You no, know, the thing about the smart the Snapchat spectacles, it was very obvious you were wearing glasses with cameras. These are Ray-Bans. Yeah. They look like regular sunglasses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I feel like something like this, no one's going to wear it if it doesn't look like a normal pair of glasses. But at the same time, you do have to make it look distinct enough so that people know what it is and people know that this is a device that might possibly be recording. Um, yeah, so it's it's just, a I think, a weird kind of middle ground to balance and I, I don't i don't know what the answer is for that where's the where's the light is it uh, somewhere prominent it's 
right above the camera, I think on the right side, there's a little white light that pops up. And somebody took like a little bit of duct tape and painted it black. And I think Buzz, BuzzFeed asked Facebook about this. And no, there's a reason. The that's illegal. You can't do that. We're going to come and get you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they were doing, uh, You but. guys at CNET reviewed it. Uh, I don't know if you've played with them, Lisa, or not yet. Are, is the, are the image, is the image quality good? So I haven't personally played with them yet, but it's, 300 it's not, bucks. What? Yeah, exactly. It's 300 bucks and it's not a pair of, it's not really the smart glasses that you think of when you think of smart glasses. No. There's no display. It's basically, it's, it's kind of like the echo frames and like the bows. Um, it, it's a cross between Snapchat spectacles and like the Amazon echo frames, except, you know, it's not, you know, obviously Amazon's is very much built around Alexa and stuff like that, but this is really just built to, I think basically play music and kind of act like oh, so they do wireless have speakers earbuds. Okay. They have speakers. Okay. Yes. Uh, and then there's the camera, of course, uh, for taking photos and whatnot. Um, but there, there is no, there's no kind of heads up display. There's no information fed to you no. in any way. I don't think so. No. Um, at least, I mean, I, again, I haven't used them, so I, you know, I'm, I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's not what these glasses are meant to be. If I see Scott Stein in the men's room, I'm going to avoid him. I'm just saying, especially he's <laughs> wearing these. The pictures actually look pretty good. He took a lot of, uh, a lot of images with it. They seem like they're okay. Video, yeah. video I don't know. I, f- I feel like we were all worried about like a surveillance state being ushered in with the, you know, the iPhone. I remember this exact same conversation and, and Google Glass, you know, I, of course, too. Yeah. And that as well, though, it didn't have obviously as much breakthrough. And, you know, it's Project Veritas. And, you know, there have certainly been things like the the Central Park dog walker situation. Like there have certainly been situations where people have been caught on tape and it's been awkward for them but overall a few feel that's been like the many. story of the year i mean uh, i've had people George secretly Floyd. record me yeah, yeah and record it uh but i don't on the, know on this balance is, is hmm? it a pro or a con i mean if you're a teenager these days hmm? i would be terrified that you know i i'm completely out of control uh, of my of my persona because there every other teenager has a camera i can't do anything on the other hand man it's changed policing in America, thank goodness. Yeah. Is it a pro or a con? I think there's pros and cons. I mean, I think that's the case with any kind of technology. Yeah. Like, if there's yeah. a use for it, it's progress, right? But also, there's a lot of downsides to it. There's a lot of things that you need to be careful about. And I feel like in more recent years, especially with social media, we've seen that sometimes we realize what those downsides are way too late and we spend years trying to course correct. And instead of like thinking about some of these, you know, possible, like, you know, bad situations from, you know, the ground up, which is difficult, but, but yeah, I mean, I think there's pros and cons, you know, for sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Time flies. What else? Um, El Salvador. It's official. Bitcoin is their official currency. They bought 200 Bitcoin a day before their Bitcoin law became effective and will be buying much more. And, of course, how does uh, the price of Bitcoin respond? It drops precipitously. <laughs> uh, I don't even understand how this how this works. I don't even understand how a country could use Bitcoin instead of dollars, which El Salvador used to use. Uh, it's their legal tender. Um they're going to use the Chivo e-wallet preloaded with $30 of Bitcoin for everybody who downloads it. I, I just, I don't, I don't, it's for going to be an interesting experiment. 
Nothing I is... feel old. Any anytime NFTs and Bitcoin, yeah, company, yeah. I feel old, old and confused, and I, I'm trying my best to understand it, but I'm yeah. not doing a very good job. That's all right. It's not for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 uh, I, mean, I, I get it. I get it. But the NFTs in particular, I'm still trying to get my head around. I know. I, I'm very pessimistic on NFTs. I have made back a good chunk of the money I spent on my 3090 doing Ethereum See? mining. There you so, go. There my daughter's all about issuing her artwork as NFTs. Um, you know, we've had Kevin Rose on the show. He's he owns. We talked about that was going on in the show. He owns one of the very first NFTs, which are these crypto punks. Mm-hmm. He has a CryptoPunk. I don't know how much he bought it for. Not much because he got it in the early days. It's worth more than $4 million now. Wow. All it is is an icon. So that's amazing wow. to me. That's just, that's just amazing to me. Yeah. It's an icon. And apparently he got the right one, I guess, which is the smiling zombie. <laughs> what do you own when you own one of these no, just uh well here's the good news you get it on the ground floor a mere four hundred thousand dollars and you too can own something i don't know what a url that points to this image i just i just feel like this is one of those stories i wish i had a fast forward button to see what the outcome of yeah. this, uh, this popularity <laughs> yeah. is because i i suspect there's going to be some uh some downfall i think the the trick is to get off this pyramid uh, scheme before everybody else does right yeah it all seems so speculative and and odd to me yeah that's exactly what it is you have capital and they've got to put it somewhere i mean normal people don't have four hundred thousand dollars to stick around for an nba clip you know what i mean i'd really like to know why this crypto punk is worth two hundred eighty thousand dollars but this CryptoPunk down at the bottom, they're sorted. I've sorted them by value. This CryptoPunk at the bottom is worth three point four million dollars. It's just an icon. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I like them, but I don't like them three hundred forty-two million dollars worth. Of <laughs> right. Well, actually, some of these are worth billions of dollars. I guess that's just uh, that's. Uh, that's maybe yeah, aspiration. That's aspiration. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck finding a venture capital firm that's going to pay you a million dollars. I, we just, I don't know if you saw this scandal, uh, Leo, but there's been a recent uh, price fixing uh, scheme in the game, video game industry where I don't know if you saw the story a while back with a, a copy of Super Mario 64 being sold for a million dollars. Yes. And everybody was like, wait a minute. That was not an uncommon game. There are going to be a lot of those that are still new in box. What What's going on here? And there was a YouTuber that did a, an expose. It turns out that uh, it looks very likely that there's a bunch of price fixing <gasps> between the people that oh. grade the games and the people that are selling the games. So, so. somebody got scammed. Um, I guess the buyer. Well, it's a it's a scheme to make the entire vintage game industry oh, appear more valuable yeah, 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 yeah. than it really is. I'm I'm holding on to those beanie babies. They're going to be worth something someday. <laughs> Mint in the box. I believe in you. I know it. I just know it. It's going to happen. Uh, I don't know what to think about this. We this came the news came out this week that the Los Angeles Police Department on routine stops, even if you're not being arrested, will interview you that's what the police call it when when they're asking you questions 
and try to fill out this. This is the interview card they're provided with. Name, sure. Date of birth, sex, gang, moniker. Okay, fine. Plus, full email, social media accounts, e.g. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. They're collecting information about your social media accounts. You haven't been arrested. But the worst thing to me is this. They're pretending, it says, if a social security number is requested, the following disclaimer must be read. Federal law requires that you be informed when asked for your social security number that it must be provided for use in identification. That's exactly not what federal law requires. <laughs> That's the exact opposite. Why are they collecting social security numbers, Twitter handles? It's Did uh, they comment to Pardon me? Did they comment on, did they comment anywhere to the media in terms uh, of any, all they said Instagram? was uh we're going to update our policy. <laughs> <laughs> um Meanwhile, uh, the Guardian talked to a professor of law at Loyola, Kathleen Kim. She's an immigrants' rights expert, previously served on the L.A. Police Commission. She says she was not aware of any law requiring individuals to disclose social security numbers to local police. She also says she was shocked to learn about the social security section, noting that that is antithetical to the department's own policies. Ah, and it violates the spirit the spirit of sanctuary laws. So th- that's what they're trying to figure out. Are you a citizen? And can we uh, can we uh, deport you? Anyway, I I don't know what to make of that. I'm just glad I'm not in L.A. <laughs> I would not give a cop my my, my I think Twitter you just because I, I, I don't Twitter. I don't, I don't know Twitter? what's how that. Much I've- I post about BLM. I I would not give them that information. And good news. I also feel like in general, it's like, I don't know, I operate under the approach of like, no matter who I'm giving information to, give as little as possible because I just, going back to what we were talking about earlier about security and hacks, I just assume my information is everywhere and, you know, it's inevitable that your social security number is going to be, you know, exactly what I was saying obtained. earlier. Exactly. So yeah. Just give as little as possible. At least right. try to make it a bit harder for them right. to get my information. I mean, after all, you know, they could fingerprint you. I guess they have to arrest you before they can fingerprint you, though. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. This one, you're not arrested. Right. They're just, yeah, I'm just asking some questions. Just ask us some questions. Uh, all right. We, I think we should wrap this up because uh, I'm sure there's a football game to go to or something like that. A Porsche, There's Porsches to be driven, Princess Peach vines to be jumped. I got aliens to kill. Leo. Got aliens to kill. Now you got a new uh, got a new buddy to kill aliens with. <laughs> See, yep. we're, making, we're making friends all the way around here. Carl Bode, thank you so much. Your first twit, not your last. It was really great to have you. Tech reporter, uh, you'll see him Thank you. everywhere, uh, including Vice, Motherboard. I love Motherboard. I think they do a great job. Mm-hmm. Tech Dirt, yeah, I, I love like even more. Um, the Verge, so nice to have you, Carl. Really appreciate it. Anything, you got a podcast? Me. Anything you want to plug? Uh, I'll have a newsletter probably this winter because I have okay. to get on that, that train before everybody's disposable income runs out <laughs> in terms of how many newsletters they can subscribe to. Newsletters but, are the yeah. NFTs of sovereign writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. So this this winter I'll have one of those. Good. All right. On Substack or do you know where you'll be? I'm still talking to different people to, to suss out my options. Good. Well, we have to have you back as soon as you start it so we can, uh, we can tell people where to go. 
Awesome. Lisa Edichico, senior editor at CNET. What are you working on these days? I guess you're going to be busy on Tuesday, I'm thinking. Oh, yes. Tuesday is going to be a very busy day. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Do you think there's uh, any chance at all that Google will announce a, 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 the, the Pixel 6 tomorrow? I don't know, honestly. Should I get um, up early? It's hard to say. <laughs> Should I jump from my Casper and run to the Twitter and <laughs> see if there's a Pixel 6 I can order? Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I, I am not sure exactly when that's going to happen. But No one um, is. They're really obfuscating you know, the fact. They, they're really making yeah. it very vague. But yeah. it will be sometime soon, I'm sure. So <laughs> Good. It's nice to see you. I really appreciate your coming. Yeah, it's so great I'm, to be back. Sorry Thank it's you. been so long. Last time you were here, you were at Business Insider. So it's good to have you uh, Yeah, with your new gig at CNET. Nice to see yes, you. Yes, absolutely. And of course, the lady in the red beret, Brianna Wu, <laughs> executive director. I'm going to wear this for now on. I love it. Jokes, Man, Leo. you look, I mean, it's just, it looks like, it looks like you're auditioning uh, for, uh, no, I shouldn't say it. I'm not going to say it. What I was going to say, I shouldn't say it. I, I look like a drama, a drama no. kid. That yes, there we go. No, I thought maybe that you might be in the, running for the lead in impeachment or something like that. But <laughs> never, never, I shouldn't. That would be rude to say that. I'm not going to say. There we that. go. Executive director, Rebellion Pack. Uh, is it dot com? Rebellionpack dot com. Dot com. There you go. So and, if you're worried uh, about the midterms, feel free to go to helptherebellion dot com. Oh, I am worried. I always say yes when Leo calls me and asks me to come on because y'all are so generous in helping me out with whatever I'm doing. So uh, you can I, do that at Help, help her out. And I know you have uh, Carson working with you over there, which is great. Yeah, that's so true. Glad to hear it. He, I, I got to tell you, he is a workhorse. He did so much amazing work. We have nice. a data scientist uh, who actually reached out to us because she saw me on Twit and asked to do some analytics for us. So she's handing nice. me a data proposal tomorrow. It's always worth coming on, Leo, one Great. way or the other. Plug, plug away, Rebellion Pack. <laughs> I'm scared about the midterms. We got our own election coming up to Tuesday. Ooh. I'm a little scared about Ooh. that. I think you should be. Scary times. <laughs> uh, but if you want to have fun, you should tune in Rocket on Relay.fm. 350 episodes. Congratulations. Brianna, Christina Warren, Simone de Rochefort, a great panel. Lots of fun every single week. We thank all of you for joining us for This Week in Tech. We do it of a Sunday afternoon, about 2.30 Pacific. That's 5.30 Eastern, 21.30 UTC. If you want to watch us make the sausage live... Go to twit.tv slash live. There's audio and video streams there. People watching live like to chat with us. Our uh, IRC is available right now at irc.twit.tv. Actually, it's available 24-7. There's always somebody in there. Uh, you, can <laughs> you can also join us in the Discord, home of the animated GIF, I think. Uh, go <laughs> Just be a Club Twit member, uh, and all the details will be made available to you. Twit.tv slash club twit. <laughs> And uh, Brianna's in there, too, which is nice. That's um, true. After the fact, on-demand versions of the show available at twit.tv or, or on YouTube. There's a YouTube channel to, to, to do uh, the show. Uh, you can also subscribe in your favorite podcast app. In fact, that's my favorite way to get it. That way you get it automatically the minute it's available. If your podcast app allows for reviews, please leave us a five-star review. We would be so grateful. Spread the good word. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll see you next time. Another twit this is in the can. Amazing. Bye -bye.
the twist.